talk to. Let's keep it simple. Are you spineless and stupid, or powerful and profound? I don't know. Getting way too deep into a lot of demonic junk just because some crazy thing called Joker doesn't like us? What does that count as? If you aren't one, then you must be the other. We like humans who keep it simple, like these guys. Merch! As a night for right! We're moving into our problem! As a night for right! We're moving into our problem! Nice. Well, guys, I hope we get to meet again in another life somehow, some way. Uh, this doesn't look good for us. Here it comes, podcasting's finest few hours of gaming prizes. Action RPG fans, come on down. Final Fantasy players, come on down. Might and Magic lovers, come on down. And Disgaea fanboys, come on down. You are the first four contestants on the RPG Backtrack. And here are the stars of the RPG Backtrack, Phil Willis and Mike Mickey. Polish your swords and prepare your spells. Your friends at RP Gamer got a story to tell. Are you ready to hear about your favorite RPGs? Because we'll be going back a few years in history. If you've got a backlog that is really long, we'll tell you what's right to play and what is wrong. We've got RP Gamer staff on the mic to talk about these games for most of the night. So pull up a chair. We will give you no flack. You're listening to the RPG Backtrack. Welcome to RPG Backtrack. This is number 135, Dramatist Persona. I'm your co-host, Phil Willis, and this is... By process of elimination, that must make me the other co-host, Mike Minky. And we are live from the United States of America. Except we won't I'm be live not. by the time you listen to this. Yeah, okay, no no one... See, see, there you go. You're talking out here. Did we introduce you yet? No! No, no. America see? does not equal... Okay. Everybody's from America. Okay. Because I am from Canada. Did I say the United States of America or did I say America? You said in the United States of America. Okay. Be nice to us Canadians. And are you in the United States of America? No. Then why are you talking? Because <laughs> I'm the cute one and also I'm one of the voices of who can actually talk about this game you picked. Zach being the other and he's adorable and charming. You two Hello. are just going to ask lots of questions. So, the dissenting <laughs> voice that clearly doesn't recognize the power of co-host authority is none other than Miss Sam Marshmallow. Hello, everyone. 
And the never, mind her, never mind that her name actually did change. Just I was gonna she say. Be marshmallow, apparently. <sighs> you know, I have a new last name, but I'm fine. Still All right, Sam Schmoller. There, I, I changed it. Does that make you happy? No, because it's not even close to my new last name. Okay, you know, I'm not really sure how close Marshmallow was either. Now, the little guy in the corner who's trying to stay quiet now and get in the middle of all the parents bickering is Mr. Scott Wellhouse. What? What? <laughs> yeah, you got it half right. That's better than usual. <laughs> Hello. I'm, I'm just Zach. seeing if you're awake or not. The Zack attack is back. It's been a while. It's been a very long while. He wasn't even... He had me blocked on Skype. That's how long it's been. No. I'm pretty you're sure just a drama queen. Pretty sure he had me blocked. I'm pretty sure you're being a drama queen, Phil. Mm -hmm. Are you causing drama? He probably saw that I said Dragon Quest Four was the best one of the series, and he's really into closet Dragon Quest Seven lover. Uh, that's, no that's not true. I, I've been pulling back on voting on the uh, quiz, but I was going to vote for Four. Four is the best. Do, do you have any comments on the review that I recently posted, which is just set the sign of fire? People are very upset with you. How dare you give it a 1.5? Yeah, how dare I? I, I just never, never, I mean, we've seen this kind of fanboyism when someone dares to give a Final Fantasy game anything below a 4.5, but holy sweet mother mercy, I didn't realize that Dragon uh, Warrior 7 was also a sacred golden cow never to be touched. I think Glenn had the right of it when he said a long time ago that if you locked everybody in the side in a room and would, didn't let them out until they finished Dragon Warrior Seven, Dragon Warrior Seven, you would not get very high reviews as an average. And a lot of the comments are admittedly from people who either have not played it in the last decade and are looking at it through some very rose-colored glasses, perhaps, uh, or people who haven't played it all the way through. So they kind of gave up while it was still a little bit fun in their eyes. And so. there was also somebody who just had to send us a trailer for the 3DS version, which, um... That's, that's just wrong. Alright, but this is that's, not the Dragon Warrior 7 podcast. Today, actually, we're talking about a game that's uh, completely on the other end of the spectrum, at least um, setting-wise. It's made of creep bows. It's made of creep bows. Creep, creep, no, not what we'll talk about it in a minute when we talk about Persona 2 Innocent Sin... And uh, perhaps we'll give a little quick wink to Persona 2 Eternal Punishment. We'll see. But we're going to be spending a lot of time talking about the not-so-innocent game, Innocent Sin. So sit down, grab a bucket of popcorn, grab a Coke, buckle your seatbelt, boys and girls. We'll be right back right after this.
to the main event, the part of the show where we take uh, one or two or a small short series of, uh, sometimes a very long series, of classic role-playing games, and we dive in deep talking about everything from the story to the characters to the game mechanics. And our choice for today is none other than a Persona 2, starting with Innocent Sin. This was released. Well, let's let's develop first. Yeah, we are not not released in North America. We're not not talking about the original Innocent Sin. Not so much. Yeah, Uh, that's why I said Persona 2, original Sin, developed by Atlas, published in North America by Atlas USA on the PSP, released in North America on September 20th, 2011, but originally released on the PlayStation June 24th, 1999. This is a single-player RPG experience. Now, I see an Eternal Sin listed here on Wikipedia, and I see an Eternal Punishment. And looking at the screenshots, at least both games look similar. Is it, Are they really innocent games, or are they eternally punishing that's what we're going to find out today. Well, for starters, there's two games because one is a parallel universe <laughs> where all the events of Innocence didn't happen. Same? Is it the same game engine? Yes, totally. Okay. Like from what little I've played of Eternal Punishment, which is up to gold, um, it is the exact same freaking game. Awesome. This, this this PSP version, by the way, of Innocence Sin, I don't care if they say that enhancements have been made. It's a lie. <laughs> there is no <laughs> enhancements here. Well, it I think it still has a really crap. It still has a really really crappy um, encounter rate. If you if you take a look on the uh, on the instruction manual there, where it says you know enhance for your PlayStation Portable experience, there's a little tiny asterisk there. It's on page fifty two. And if you go look it up, it's in really small font where it says enhancements include uh, resizing the picture to fit the screen size of the PSP. Yeah, that's pretty much well, what they did. Well, let's put it this way: the original. It's classic. It's classic. You, classic. you don't mess with the classic. Yeah, if if you don't like the encounter rate or the squashy graphics or the loading time, you don't really love RPGs. That's you right. Love, you love casual baby games. You know, Zach, I'm so glad you see. I, I'm so glad you see the prejudice here. You know, earlier before you came on, she was talking about how much she really loves Dragon Age Inquisition. I think she doesn't like classic RPGs at all. She just likes the fighting, beady up ones where you just earn some experience points along the way. Whoa now! Whoa now! We are not questioning her. I can school a couple of you under the table, and you know that we're not oh, going. There. But thank you for the giggle fest. <sighs> Anywho, I, that's almost. We have just learned that pe- that publicity is not necessarily accurate in all respects. Thank you. And I, I can love my Dragon Age Inquisition as much as I freaking love. My Sweet Coden 2. And as much as you love Persona 2, Innocent Sin. And and see, I don't hate the game. You need to understand something. (laughs) Sounds an awful lot like for him. I am just realizing, as I've gotten older, that my patience level for walk, walk, encounter, walk, walk, encounter has kind of lessened over the years. And I agree with you 100%. uh, That's why I was being so facetious and ridiculous because when I'm talking about Persona 2 and thinking back about on it, uh, the parts that make me want to talk about the game and share it with other people are the story segments. Uh, yeah, story me- so far. The mechanics, I feel like I suffered through them to get to the rest. See, and, and you know what? That is 
perfectly like the best way to describe the game because I couldn't agree more with you. I feel like I'm suffering this really slow and tedious battle system, which well, is the same freaking one from the first game, which we talked yeah, about I, I a su- different episode that I remember distinctively not liking to come well, back for more. Yeah, okay. I suppose we should get that out of the way. Are there any differences from the first game? Oh, we are so jumping ahead of ourselves. No, no, no. Actually, this might be worth doing first because the story is so interesting and, and more worth talking about than the mechanics. And I'm going to tell you, no, they're not that much different. They're totally Zona different. Fun. One is innocent, the other is punishment. It's eternal, no less. Yeah, but he asked about Persona 1, sweetheart. Uh, oh, you oh, weren't even listening. No, because I'm like, okay, guys, you're jumping ahead. I feel like you're spoiling the podcast. <laughs> Stop that. Don't, don't you're allowed to spoil the game, not the podcast. <laughs> no. I mean, the whole point of these main events is to ask ourselves after we discuss these games thoroughly, is it still fun today? And you are already giving away the ending before we even start! We'll get to that part. Because I don't really care about your order, you know that. Yeah, order is important, Marshmallow. Otherwise, otherwise I'm going to put my cat in sick of on you. He'll find you in candy. He's a, he's a hound cat. Good luck, I have a Labrador Retriever and a Bulldog? He's a big kitty. Have big bulldog. Seen, I was going to say, have you seen my bulldog? Brutus? He doesn't look that big in the he's pictures. Not big. He's not big at all, but he thinks he's a tough boy. Oh, Dakota is pretty big, though. Dakota's huge, actually. Okay, this is called the backtrack, not the sidetrack. So, back <laughs> to the story. Okay, so, Mike asked about Persona 1. I'm going to answer the question. The mechanics are not that different. You're still contacting demons the exact same way. You're still getting Personas the exact same way. You're still doing the same turn-based combat. And it is the same. The only difference in the two is that Persona 1 is in first person... So when you walk around, it's in first person. And Persona 2 is in third. So you see your little dude running around on the screen. Neither is good because the dungeons are really poorly designed. Um, I, I guess third person is nice. You can kind of see your character's butt as he runs. It's good enough. But I don't know. Like, gameplay's pretty stereotypical. Like... It'll be more exciting when we talk about Persona 3 and 4, where they actually managed to make gameplay as fun as the story. This this game has a really good story, but just you feel like you're slogging through really boring mechanics to get there. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So aside from first person to third person, nothing substantive was changed? No. Like, it is still very much the same game with the same awkward camera. Which, you know, on the PSP, yeah, you have your little bumpery things. But to be honest, I find I get really lost with the way they have the dungeon set up. And I don't know if that's just me being like, I don't know where I'm going. And the worst part is it gives you the little... Like, it it highlights the route that you've taken on the map, on the mini-map and on the big map. But I still get lost. Every time. I think oh. that's why my playtime's been higher than most people's. But what if you used graph paper and a pencil? <laughs> oh, man, that's probably better than, like, what the game's been providing. Oh, man, yeah. yeah. It's like playing Etrian Odyssey if you take the, set, the bottom screen Wait, away. And if you do that, you're basically playing Persona Q. 
But you did it for like 10 bucks instead of like 50. No, no. Phil, Phil, if you take the bottom screen away, Phil, Persona Q has the bottom screen. Right, but you're going to use graph paper instead. And you're going to map it out as you go along. So you're basically playing Persona Q for $40 cheaper. Because this game's probably like 10 bucks on the PSN, I bet. 15 times. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's gone down, and it seems to go on sale quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I almost picked up Persona Q. And you can get Eternal Punishment usually too. Oh. It's a PlayStation classic. There you go. I almost picked up uh, Persona Q in the store, but that fifty dollars price tag drove me away. And now I know, hell, for ten bucks and a couple of pieces of graph paper, I can have the very similar experience. And you can get Eternal Punishment with it, although okay. that's the original PS One version and not the enhanced PSP version. And that enhanced version is something we will never ever see. So we kind of need to get over ourselves, be a little sad about it for like two seconds. Then realize they probably haven't updated it enough for us to be like, yay, the gameplay doesn't blow. Um, yeah. Like, let's, let's not go there. Gameplay, really lame. Story, though. Zach, wasn't, isn't the story awesome? It's yes. Awesome. Yes, the story is awesome. I, I particularly like how it uh, jumps genres several times just using uh, the central device of rumors to be able to say, hey, anything can happen, and it makes sense in this setting somehow. I, I really actually love that aspect as well. It's kind of fun because you have the whole, you know, you've got a noir aspect to it, you've got a little bit of comedy, you've got a little of like the old gangster style movies and stuff like that with um, the character of Ikichi. So you got a lot of things kind of mixing into the story, and it, it's a lot of fun. Plus the whodunit part. The whodunit part is so much fun. Because it's not really a whodunit, but it starts out that way. And uh, you have the uh, the teen romance, the Fortrian yes. weirdness, the... Uh, pop, the pop idol bit. Uh, Everybody pop loves idol the pop bit. idol. The, uh, if I can make a pun, the uh, pop issues bit. Uh <laughs> Seems like everyone has a father issue that they have to deal with. Uh, oh my goodness! Yes, uh, this game is like made of daddy issues. I'm I, I'm kind of amazed that there is as much daddy issues in this. I can't recall of any other game I've played that's had as much daddy issues as this. Mm. Can Can anyone think of a game that has lots of daddy issues? Uh, <gasps> hold on. No, I reviewed one actually. <laughs> I can't remember. Final Fantasy X. Yes, that has some daddy issues. Everybody loves a game with daddy issues, right? Where the character is pining over the fact that their daddy is a douche canoe. And, Darn and douche daddy. <laughs> so many douche daddies. What is it about douche daddies? I, I don't I don't understand. It's not very nice. Be nicer to your kids, people. Oh, and oh my god, there's a Power Rangers bit, Zach, remember? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. The Kamen Rider. And, oh, it was so cool. Everyone starts wearing the masks, and they and take on the roles that they take on later in life. Red, Red's the leader, uh, Yellow's the comic relief. Uh. Yeah, the uh, there's a whole bit with Power Rangers, and you kind of learn about the past of these characters and, and what they did supposedly to this other character. Um but they treat it like it's this epic Power Rangers storyline, and then when they have to come to terms with the fact that somebody actually died, they kind of go like, oh, like, our Power Ranger fantasy is kind of over, isn't it, guys? 
So the, the, the game has really good characters. I mean, even the protagonist who is a silent protagonist has a surprising amount of personality. Um, like, they did a really good job with Tetsuya in the sense that what you get in terms of his characterization because you're picking a lot of his choices and um, a lot of his mannerisms, you still get a sense of personality. Like, this is something that, for whatever reason, the Persona games um, gradually got better with, because if you play Persona 3 and Persona 4, the protagonists in those games, treated similarly, also have a lot of personality. So even though they're a silent protagonist, they have just enough personality that you can kind of feel like it's not entirely a blank slate. Also, like, my favorite favorite aspect is you can have Tetsuya mimic a jet fighter. (laughs) It's his special ability. Yes. One of his special abilities, he can uh, imitate objects to contact a demon. So one of them is a jet fighter, another one is construction equipment. Um, And they get more ridiculous as it goes on. Because that's apparently what demons are into. More ridiculous than construction equipment. But they're both pretty fantastic, admittedly. My favorite is like how the demons respond like when they're upset with you for making noises at them. Because every response that the demons give in during contact is is vastly different from demon to demon, so you never have the the exact same response, even if you have the same question come up, which is kind of it's kind of interesting how they did that. Like it's got a lot of personality, and I uh, love the- even if we're ignoring the uh, big overarching story uh, in the little character interactions, you can find uh, lots going on. Oh yeah, and you know to be honest, the the characters are great too. Um, I guess, should we just quickly say what the base story is, and then we'll, we can jump into kind of the characters? I talked a little bit about Tatsuya, but... Uh, I'll, I'll just add uh, my opinion on Tatsuya, and then we can yeah. uh, go do your big plan. Uh, it... <laughs> my big plan? Oh, God. <laughs> okay, sorry. Yeah, I, th- I think you've taken over the show, Sam. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's, that's... No, in, in the good way. Yeah, you <laughs> pushed these other two guys into the, down the stairs. Uh, you haven't played the game, so it doesn't help. I'm just over here giving my attack cat some orders. Don't worry about me. <laughs> you should really play the game. Uh, despite all the uh, guff that Sam and I are talking about, it uh, it's worth experiencing, even though we're going to spoil it all for you today. So, That's so what ta- about... So, so Tatsuya, uh, the story starts out with uh, him as your standard Japanese high school student, uh, not knowing what he's going to do with his life, and he's exploring all these options. So having the uh, having him be silent and brooding and thinking things over and being vastly different from playthrough to playthrough uh, really makes a lot of sense. Uh, I mean, uh, like many games, there's the, the romance option. Which character do you... Uh, choose to show the most affection to and w- when all is over and done with uh, you get the feeling that uh, he's really made his decisions about who he is and he's going to step up to the plate of being a real character and stop being this uh, silent protagonist controlled by the player's whims sorry about that I had a bulldog come in here <laughs> He's like, I can't get up on the bed, so I had to put him on the bed. Okay. Okay. So I've blathered on about Tatsuya. Uh, what about the story itself? Uh, what role does he play in it? Uh, how does he connect to all of these uh, interesting characters? So, being the high school student that Tatsuya is, um, 
let's put it this way. He encounters a bunch of different people along the way. One, which is a editor of a teens magazine named Maya Amano, which love Maya Amano. Um, and he also, he also meets Yukiko. I think it's Mayuzami, who is a photographer. She's also from Persona One, which I was so excited when I saw her. I was like, God, I know you. Um, so there was that. Basically, and I think I'm missing two people. I'm missing Lisa. Uh, who Ginko. Is, yes, or Ginko, who is super hot American girl turned super idol, even though she doesn't want to be a super idol. And um, Ikiji. Yay. He's like a wannabe musician kind of gang leader from a different school. Actually, he's from the rival school. So characters started at Seven Sisters High School. They are kind of investigating a bizarre situation that's going on in the school. So you collect, I believe it's Tatsuya, Lisa, Yukiko, uh, Yukino, and Maya. And they basically go and they investigate a situation with their, I believe it's the principal. Yeah. Turns out the principal's like a monster. Um, they basically figure out that, hey, they have these abilities called Persona, which were given to them by, I believe it's Philemon? Philemon. A magical Um, yellow butterfly. Super awesome butterfly powers. I love Philemon. I I like when he appears in the game because it's so random. This is like, here, I'm going to give you a new Persona because you've been really awesome at answering questions. And then it's just like, oh, oh, okay, thank you. Thank you, question mark, I guess. Um, so yeah, that's sort of the base of the story. There's also the fact that somebody is kind of stealing ideal energy. So they're taking someone's ambitions away from them. Uh, and this character's name is the Joker. And the Joker turns out to be a spoiler, which we'll get to later. Not the spoiler. Batman, Batman. No, very, very actually personality is even very different from Batman Joker. So that. Joker's actually really scary in this game. Uh, I know I get uncomfortable when Joker comes onto the uh, onto the screen. So there's Joker, and then later on we also have Hitler, which Zach can talk about because I haven't gotten to Hitler yet. Sad face. Um, I say sad face because he looks like Merlin from uh, Sword in the Stone, which I think is kind of hilarious. Also, like there's random Nazis in the game because Nazis, they're a thing. Good. There's that rumor coming up again. Uh. Nazis, Zach. Nazis. <laughs> but yes, and then there's rumors, which are a really big part of this game. You have to use rumors to find information about different plot points, and also the fact that a lot of the businesses uh, in the areas that you encounter in the game, they all sell weapons under the table. Very hush-hush. Um, and whatever kind of rumor you put into effect can also determine... Uh, the value of a weapon, so it could be dirt cheap, but you know the quality is crappy, or it could be high quality but low price. So depending on the kind of rumors you set, you set out determines the kind of items and weapons you can get uh, from a lot of the shops. And a lot of the shop owners are kind of weird; like they they kind of just look at it like, "Yeah, we sell weapons; it's cool." Then you kind of just look and roll with it, like, "Okay." There seems to be a bizarre trend about, like, businesses selling teenagers weapons in this series, because uh, in Persona 3, it's a police officer. <laughs> okay, well, that's no different than back in Dragon Quest. I think it was, like, five. I'm playing this kid, ten years old. I walk up to a shopkeeper. He sells me a copper sword. Like, really? Oh, but come on. Like, one and- of them is a sushi lady. 
the sushi lady gives you like a big sword. You know, let's just admit it. Role playing games, uh, computer console role, console role playing games, especially, have been teaching us that selling weapons and letting children play with them is an awesome idea. But I mean, just to go on with the story a little bit, um, each of the five characters that you get to have in your party, and I know one of them changes over later on in the story. I haven't gotten quite to that point yet. Um, each has their own kind of personal plot that occurs in the story. Um, for example, we talked a little bit about Lisa. Lisa, for example, or Ginko, uh, she's from America. She is considered very exotic. A lot of people kind of are afraid of her because she has no problem kung fuing, you know, kung fu fist in the face sort of thing when she doesn't get her way. Um, kind of like Chie from Four. Hmm. Um, I, I actually like Lisa quite a bit. But, you know, she's she's kind of kind of getting out of her shell and she wants people to not see her as just she's American and white and an idol. Like, she doesn't want to be that way. Like, she wants to kind of just be herself. She's a girl who likes to fight. She's a girl who likes to, you know, she, she doesn't want to be considered like an exotic beauty. Basically, is kind of where I'm going with it. She just wants people to see her for who she really is. And like, I loved her storyline. I thought it was one of the best so far in the game. Um, compared to Ikiji, who's just fighting with everybody and kind of throws hissy fits, and it's really silly. No, there's more to Ikiji than that. I know, I know. It, and I, I have a soft spot for narcissistic characters, so maybe I'm uh, giving him a little too much credit. But uh, when he was younger, you see in his flashbacks that he was the fat unpopular kid and uh he had a real overbearing father like most of them who said no you cannot be a rock star you have to work in my sushi restaurant and akiji says no i don't want to get made fun of i'm going to be a tough kid i'm going to fight i'm going to be a gang leader i'm going to be a rock star i probably don't even like sushi and also, he fights with a machine gun that comes out of a guitar case. So, which is fabs, really <laughs> fabulous. I, it's like uh, Once Upon a Time in Mexico. He was already doing this before that movie came out. <laughs> even before Desperado, guys. Even before Desperado. Actually, no. I think this game came after Desperado. I, I could think be it wrong. Did. I think it did. Desperado came out in about ninety-five or six. Yeah. Stupid Antonio Banderas. We can all agree that it came before uh, the the other Bard, one, the Bard and Luminous Arc Two, who also uses a machine gun that comes That's out. Right. We do not speak of Luminous Arc. <laughs> not unless you want to get a whole nother can of whoop ass. We don't want to open the one. <laughs> yeah, Ikichi's cute. I I mean I didn't give him enough credit because you gotta love a character that was like the the duff of the group, the uh, designated fat ugly friend. Uh, who turns himself into something, you know, bigger and better than he thought he could be. And that doesn't necessarily make him likable. And I think that's kind of what makes his character very interesting is he wants to be liked. He wants people to see himself, uh, to see him as great as he thinks he sees himself. And he has a lot of problems with that just because it doesn't quite go his way a lot of the time. Um, especially when it comes to Lisa. Lisa is pretty nasty <laughs> to him most of the time. But that's well, he deserves he, it a lot of the time. He does. And it's it, when you look at the two characters, it's because they're on the opposite ends of the spectrum. You know, he wants to be noticed by everybody, and she wants to be ignored by everybody. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. Wow. 
Well, think if you think about it, I mean, she doesn't want to yeah. be a pop idol. She wants nothing to do with the spotlight. And he's the polar opposite. He wants that spotlight. He wants people to say, yes, I am amazing. All right. And, There's this great scene. Uh, you you haven't experienced it yet, so I'll avoid mm-hmm. some, of, some of the details. Oh, no. But, spoil away if you want. I don't mind. Okay. Well, I, I think it's after uh, Ikiji uh, faces his shadow self his darkest impulses and all his doubts and and someone else in the group says hey for a moment there Akiji you were actually really cool yeah, I mean you just need to uh, deal with your father issues now and you'll be a real man and uh, they're saying dude you've made some growth you've uh, figured out some of your problems in life mm-hmm. just a little more and uh, and you'll get there yeah yeah, and it's 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 kind of neat just because I mean when you look at the characters that you're dealing with, um, we haven't gotten to Maya or Yukino because they're a lot older than the other three. But if you look at the main three, they all have different issues that they're kind of trying to combat, um, and they they all have a lot of growth kind of as it goes on. Even Tatsuya, as much as you don't know a lot about Tatsuya, you do get the sense that as the game goes on, like he gets a little bit of growth and a little bit of growth. And um, I'm sure as I go on, I'll probably see the rest of his actual storyline because, I mean, I've only gotten bits and pieces of what I understand has happened to him. Um, And then when you get to someone like Maya and Yukino, they actually have a better sense of who they are. And that's not just with age. I think that has more to do with what they do for a living. I mean, Maya can be a little bit immature, and that's kind of what makes her fun. You know, she works at a teen magazine, so her logic is, you know, I got to behave the way the teens do. <laughs> and it, she has to the kids. Of... I'll steal the splimp. Well, I mean, so is that what the is that what seventeen editors do na- naturally? <laughs> Let's put it this way: as you know, as someone who has worked with teenagers for a good chunk of their life, there's nothing worse than pretending you're as cool as they are, <laughs> and it's something you should never do. But it seems to be this this bizarre thing that adults assume that kings uh, teens want, right? Is like you got to be on their level. When the reality is, is they don't want you on their level. Their level's hard enough. And I'm going to turn and this chair around, straddle it, and rap with you about the issues. Totally, man. We're going to jam. We're going to talk about your problems. Um, and Maya is problematic because she does that. She thinks that she understands what, what teens are going through. And when she actually encounters Tatsuya, you know, she's trying to get the scoop on this, this ghost issue that's, that's in Seven Sisters High, not realizing that Tatsuya actually has nothing to give her. <laughs> like, he, he doesn't even know what's going on. So it's like, why are you following me? Like, she kind of behaves like a little bit of a creeper at the beginning of the game because she wants her story, but she thinks that, like, she can kind of make it up as it goes along. <laughs> Which is like, no, lady, that, that's not how it works. But that's sort of how she and Yukino get wrapped up into the story, you know? It, what starts as a simple assignment turns out to be something a lot more problematic as it goes on. Um, uh, but- Maya definitely starts as this uh, this optimist, believe in the power of friendship and heart and true love that a- anyone who spent any time playing a JRPG will probably uh, grow to hate. But, but Maya makes it work because... Uh, <laughs> Some of her ideas do work over time. Uh, Well, you know what? She knows when to be a teenager and when to be an adult. And I think that's why she works so well, is she knows how to balance the two ideals. I mean, her motto is, 
you know, let's be positive. But at the same time, she's incredibly reckless. <laughs> <laughs> like, and not always the most, um, I guess the best way to describe it, she's not always the most thoughtful either. She will think of other people, but at the same time, when she thinks about what could happen to herself, she puts no thought into it whatsoever. There's a scene actually um, in the Aerospace Museum where you have this option to it's to save this person who um, gets trapped in a fire. Like the building's on fire. You have to save a bunch of children. It's an awful dungeon. But this scene's really awesome because you can tell Maya, no, you can't. Like, don't jump down. Like, she should burn. Um, or you can let her do it. And you get this really awesome scene if you let Maya jump down and go get her. Because, you know, you're saying, like, Maya, like, you should be worried about yourself. This building's burning. And she's like, no, we can't leave people behind. And you got to love somebody who is passionate about taking care of others in that, you know, she just willingly does it. No thought, no rhyme, no reason. She just does it. And to me, like, I just adore her for, for reasons like that in the story. And when you get to her shadow self, which is actually very early on in the game, she's one of the few people where the shadow um, counterpart comes first. I think she is the first one of the bunch. I think she is. That's um, right. Yeah. And, you know, her shadow self is malicious. Like, it completely makes fun of her. Basically saying, like, your positive attitude is a folly. Like, what is wrong with you? Like, you can't have positive living without negativity. You have to have some negativity to create positivity. And Maya, you know, being Maya, does accept it. She accepts those harsh words, actually, and she actually uses them to create kind of growth for herself. Because she knows the shadow's not entirely wrong. Yeah, I Which feel I like all, all, all of, of the shit, yeah, it, it's the, uh, the thesis plus antithesis, and then the character reaches a synthesis from that as a... Uh, mm-hmm. As indicated both by conversation and battles with uh, fireballs and swords and such. <laughs> but uh, I, I think that's one of the uh, overall uh, theses of the game, if I can uh, use that word on this podcast. Uh, accepting darkness and accommodating for it, working to overcome it, and knowing that nothing is going to be this perfect, but still striving for that perfection. Yeah, I mean, you got to love characters like Maya that exist in video games because they are the ones that, yes, they're eternal optimists, and yet they mean so well in what they're doing. They really do. And I mean, again, she's an editor of a teen magazine. So for her, she has to have some sort of positivity in that job. Let's face it, the last thing she needs is kids reading her magazine and committing suicide. Let's face it. Nobody wants that. Um, but I appreciate like having a character like her because in this game, it's done really well. It's not like when you're playing Tales... And they hoard you with, oh my god, power of friendship, we're all circle of friends, and all that kind of BS. I love you, Tails, but that's BS. Um, but, you know, here it works. Wait, 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 wait. But it worked really well in Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Because, like, Guardians oh, of the Galaxy is... you touch the stone, you die. But the power of friendship, they were able to hold on to the stone with no one dying. See, friendship works every time. Guardians of the I hated that. It proved it so well. <laughs> Again, I'm not referring to that in the same way. I meant more the idea, like, one of the biggest issues with Tales is a lot of their protagonists are eternal optimists, but they're ridiculous in it, like, to the point where it's actually irritating. And a lot of the time they have to do stupid things in order to be like, oh, hey, optimism doesn't always work. Whereas Maya doesn't have to do something stupid to learn a lesson. 
Maya has to confront that as opposed to just, oh, I did something stupid. Oh, no's. Um, and I think that's better. I do. I think that's more human. That is a more realistic situation. You know, you can't just go up to somebody and be like, hey, be my friend. It doesn't always work. You're going to have people who are going to be like, uh, you're too forward. GTFO. Right. And easily you could have people like me. It's like, hi, you want to talk books with me? Oh, my God. Yay. Right. Um, and be a total creeper about it. And I mean, that's sort of how, why Maya and Yukino work so well, actually, as a pair. Whereas Maya is the eternal optimist, Yukino's the pessimist. And she hits things. She hits things. When when Yukino doesn't get her way, she's incredibly aggressive. <laughs> she will break things. Um, so Hardcore she's original. Gaming says that Maya's saying in the original Japanese was "let's positive thinking." Does that yes. sound appropriate? Okay. <laughs> Was well, no, they changed it in English to let's be positive. <laughs> and it came up a lot in the beginning of the game. I actually haven't seen it for a while um, as I've gotten further. Um, but it's the way like Yukino and Maya clash a lot. Yukino, you know, her logic is just hit things till it works. And Maya always thinks there's a better, easier, maybe flexible way of doing things. Maya likes to rationalize. Yukino likes to hit. That's all you need to know about the two of them. Also, Yukino is from Persona 1, and she was one of the characters you could choose to recruit in the game. Uh, I didn't get her in the first game, but when I realized that they were one and the same, I kind of like squealed to myself, because I was like, I'm so smart! And then I'm like, wait, I'm not that smart. <laughs> I'm sure other people realized this before I did. Um... And yeah, like, you, I think Yuki, Yukino gets kind of the short end of the stick in this game, if only because of the fact that um, in, in Innocent Sin, she doesn't get as much development, I've noticed, compared to the other characters. Like, I only just got to Shadow Yukino. Um, but yeah, Yukino is uh, phased out in the story as it progresses in favor of the new character who you will meet soon. Uh, his name is Jun, because I've met him once. Oh, okay. I have met him once in the storyline so far. And that was during the flashback bit where they were all Power Rangers. Okay. And I figured that was who was going into the party because um, when you learn who the Joker is, and to be honest, I, I don't even feel like I'm entirely clear about who the Joker really is. Because at one point it's like, it's June. And another point, it's Anna. And another point, it's yourself. So I'm like, game, I'm, I'm lost. <laughs> uh, part of this is because of the... Uh... Okay, uh, a lot of the uh, events that happen in the story, since they are just based on rumors, are all tie back to the final boss, who's just uh, doing a complete, I'm a mad godlike mastermind playing with people for my own purposes so i'm going to change the rules as things go along i'm going to make up these convoluted scenarios to test people and it's intended to be confounding and it's all just a dream or just a test or a contrived scenario created by a character within the game so when things seem uh, a little too confusing or a little too pat it's because it's on purpose. Why. Yeah. Because okay. 
from what I understood, it's like June is the Joker is the alter ego of June, but that's not entirely true because he also is a supposed serial killer who's going around and murdering everybody. Meanwhile, you have June right there, right. <laughs> not being the Joker. <laughs> um, so it's it's interesting. It, I think just for me, sometimes like it was just putting the pieces together and being like, okay, on one hand, yes, this is a figment of an imagination. On the other hand, there is some sense of reality to this. Because the game really does test your senses in this idea of what is real and what isn't. Um, and I think that's actually what I love about the game, because it makes me very uncomfortable at times. Like, the whole Power Rangers bit, um, you know, as silly as it starts out, you get very uncomfortable as it goes on. Like, each piece of that story you get, it's like, it's unnerving. You you feel stressed out when you start to realize the situation, like, who was murdered, um, you know, who the Joker really is. And you kind of, you kind of sit there, and it's, for me, I felt like a ball of nerves. It was kind of like, oh my goodness, like, this is actually scary. The game does a good job of setting up tension, which I've been really enjoying. I haven't finished the game yet, but I'm getting there. Well, it taps into that uh, truism about children's literature, that the, the good children's literature or the stories about children or the stories that appeal to children are the ones that remember how it is scary and unnerving and weird to be a child. It's not just uh, sunny afternoons and playing Power Rangers. <laughs> Well, and I mean, there's also, I guess, the one other aspect maybe we haven't looked at, which are the cults that appear in the game. Um, which, this game has a huge cult mentality. Like, and it's a cult of personality, which is really cool. Um, you have, what is it, King Leo yeah. and the, his the posse. The Scorpion Lady. The Scorpion Lady, Taurus. So they're based on the Zodiac? They are. They're, yes. They are called, I believe it's the Zodiac Cult. And they are supposedly working with the Joker. And one person will say they're working with the Joker. Another says that they're working for a different higher power. And another one says, I work for myself. So they all actually have very unique personalities. Again, I think driven by the fact that they, their personalities embody the Zodiac that they portray. Like when you talk to Leo, um, if, you, if anyone understands anything about the Zodiac in terms of personality traits um leos tend to be really aggressive and they want to be the leader and they want to dominate things oh hey i'm discussing myself this is great (laughs) i I don't remember my zodiac tree very well are you a leo sam i am a leo so um i understand this very well sadly um yeah like they've they've actually followed suit to the kinds of characterizations that get put with the zodiac leo's kind of a douche canoe in the game um, whereas Scorpion Lady is she's kind of sleazy from what I've seen I'm kind of sad that they did that Lady shouldn't have to always be sleazy especially Scorpion Ladies why are Scorpion Ladies always sleazy in games is that supposed to be a trait of Scorpio no that's the no. thing it's but- a trait of fiction that likes putting uh, the femme fatale as the black widow or the sexy Scorpion Lady or but she's not uses. even sexy. <laughs> I have never once looked at a scorpion and thought, wow, that's sexy. Well, isn't... Look at that stinger. And those now, bitches. I mean, Zach, you have finished the game. Is the Scorpio lady supposed to be Anna? 
That's a good question. I it, it has been a while since I've played the game. I that's the one thing that is bugging me that I am trying to put together, and I'm not sure because the Zodiac characters also seem to have their alter egos as well. And the only one I have figured out is King Leo because it is Tatsia. That one makes sense because you know you're a leader, he's a leader. Like, I kind of put two and two together, and I was like, okay, this makes sense. And I'm sure when I do the actual um, temples, that it'll make more sense. Right. But I'm reading, I'm just reading up a little bit on some of the stuff that I haven't gotten to yet. And it sounds like some of these, um, the characters from the Zodiac are supposed to be kind of similar to the other characters in the story. Either ones that are related to the other characters or the main characters or are discussed in another way. Like from, I guess, Persona 1. Yeah, like your dark mirrors or an evil reflection or this is who you would be allowed to be without any of your redeeming traits. Hmm. It's it's kind of fascinating. I just, like I said, I'm, I'm sad that I'm not actually at that part yet. But, yeah, the, there's a lot of different elements going on in the story. Because, um, like I said, there's also Nazis. But to be honest, I'm still kind of confused about the Nazis. Is there any okay, real they, reason for the Nazis? Nazis? No, no, it's just you okay. get a whole scene at one point where there's these Nazi bombers in the sky. <laughs> and they're flying over. And they've got swastikas on them, and you're kind of saying this is not this does not take place in the 1940s, correct? This is correct. Okay, (laughs) does not take place in the 1940s. So I've been I was sitting there and I was kind of going, "There's Nazi bombers, huh?" This is the one part I'm confused with. (laughs) Present day, present time, as of uh, about late 1990s. Yes, yeah. Okay, so. Um, we seem to have gotten to the part where the big reveal is revealed, so I will explain it as I best remember it, and Yay. and Sam can jump back in with uh, things that she has looked up, or uh, the truth as it ha- has happened. Yay! So, <laughs> this whole rigmarole, this whole Joker game, uh, started as a cosmic bet between two forces of the human unconsciousness. Uh, The collective unconsciousness is the psychic pooling of all of humanity's energy and power. Uh, Philemon, the magical yellow butterfly, is essentially like the the good cosmic trickster, the uh, humanity's uh, drive for perfection. And Neralithotep, first introduced in the writing of H.P. Lovecraft, is the crawling chaos who drops who draws people down towards negative emotions, the the hatred, the, the self-destruction, the greed. And Neralithotep here is uh, encouraging people's uh, rumors to become true as a way to show that when people are given this uh, infinite power, they do terrible things with it. Like bring back Hitler. Yay! I mean, boo! <laughs> I, I, that, that's a really good explanation. You did it probably better than I could have because I was like, I get it, but I don't get it. I mean, I read a lot of 
a lot of fiction and a lot of stuff, but even I have my moments where I'm like, derp. I just, like I said, I saw the screen caps of Hitler when they were first <laughs> doing this game, and I was just like, man, Hitler, what did you do? What's he doing there? Well, and they don't even call him Hitler in the game, correct? Correct. Uh, in the American release, they call him uh, Fuhrer. Fuhrer? Fuhrer. Der Fuhrer. Der Fuhrer. And uh, they do replace many swastikas. I think all of them, but Sam mentioned seeing a swastika. Yeah, just um, obviously I don't think they could have done it in the FMV sequences. Okay. Um, yeah. That would have been really tricky, I think. That's true. They replaced many of the swastikas with iron crosses. Which, yes, uh, I've seen that, actually. Ah, yes, the... The Kaiser's Germany, not Hitler's Germany. Yes, yes. And he wears a trench coat and dark glasses to hide his obvious Nazi insignia, so it makes him look a little sleazier. Sleazy Hitler. Yeah. Oh, good. That's just what the world needed, a sleazy Hitler. But, But it's okay, he's a bad guy. Well, yeah. I mean, you get... Hitler does not go about to join your team and fight for... Well, we we know what Hitler would be fighting for, and we generally don't want to fight for that, even in video games. No. I mean, unless you have Cartman Hitler. He's just kind of funny looking. (laughs) He's Satan's child. It's okay. You know, I am going to have to play Stick of Truth before we can do a backtrack on it. That just seems like a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun, but that's not the game we're talking about. No, I'm sorry. Uh, so uh, all of these uh, things about the terrorists, the cult mentality, uh, the uh, raising of the Nazis are just uh, Tep's way of saying that uh, people are these uh, miserable piles of secretions, these bloody ignorant apes who get caught up in ridiculous religions and will sacrifice their friends in order to have a perfect school and perfect hair. That's the uh, the motivation of the principal who kicks everything off. By the way, that's right. It was. It was. I remember it was something really stupid. Um, and yeah, like I guess you know, I. I mean, like I said, I can be a little slow sometimes, but I think what I like about that though is like it really does come across like a pissing match more than oh, anything d- else, <laughs> especially because Philemon tries so hard. Like he's really sweet about it. Like. Here's my people. They're so nice. Look at them. Look at them try to protect everybody. And uh, look like I pat them on the head. It's good. And like, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the other one's name. <laughs> Captain N there. <laughs> He's just like, I'm a douche canoe and I want people to be douche canoes too. <laughs> and it's like, this, this is a real pissing match. Yeah. And because Embarrassingly he's the- so too. Because he's the Satan in this equation. He's allowed to break all the rules and do all these terrible plans that set up uh, the sequel, uh, Eternal Punishment. Uh, <laughs> oh, that parallel world that we're all afraid of. Yes. <laughs> I, I've only admittedly played, like I said, I, I want to say between like four, six hours. I basically got up to gold was where I left off in the game. So the uh, the wrestling arena with Ulala, who <gasps> I love Ulala. That's the only reason I want to go back to that game is because I freaking love her. She's got some interesting hair. No, she's actually an awesome character. Like, she is, if you fused Lisa and Yukino together. Like, you have one aggressive woman. 
And she's the fun kind of she's a fun kind of aggressive woman. And like when you have her and Maya together, they're really cute because they actually come across really girly, which is so funny. Because you don't picture like a woman who's super aggressive like Olala to be really girly, and she kind of is. (laughs) And they're really cute, and I do want to play that game, but I don't think I can do it after playing this one. (laughs) I can't do it back to back. It's too hard. Does her persona have a high-heeled shoe sticking out of her face? That's the one. Okay, just making sure. Yeah, she's she's high shoe, uh, high high heel shoe lady, and she actually appears in Innocent Sin. Um, so one of the weird little choices you can make during the game is, um, so King Leo's like, I'm gonna put some bombs in a building, and you have to basically go find the buildings that he put bombs into. And if you pick wrong, those buildings blow up. Um, I actually just detest this theory because I wasn't like people had been posting in like walkthroughs and stuff that nothing will happen if you choose the wrong choice and just want to skip a dungeon. So I thought, why not? I'm going to blow one of these dungeons up. And I went to Pachinko Silver, despite the fact that the bomb is at the gym gold. Uh, and I went to Pachinko Silver, and there's Olala, and she's like, hey, Maya, what's up? Like, I was gambling, and it was great. And you find out that the bomb's not there. So then when you take yourself all the way to gold, um, gold blows up. And Olala's like, my gym! My beautiful gym! It's gone! Oh, and you no. just kind of go, oops. <laughs> like, And it's just such a oops situation, and it's done with actually like a surprising amount of humor. Despite the fact that, you know, like a bunch of people probably just died. Oh, the like, gym was closed that day. They were you want to hope sh- that. You want to hope that. But just the way she's like, my gym, my beautiful gym. <laughs> I was just like, I love you, child. And your funky hair, too. And you actually get different characters in, in Eternal Punishment because one of the rumor mongers that you deal with um, in Innocent Sin, Baofu, is one of the playable characters in Eternal Punishment. Um which I thought was interesting because Baofu, when you talk to him in Innocent Sin, um, you talk to him through a computer, right? And he'll just say like, I am a rumor monger. What do you want? And, you know, you you tell him what you want. Whereas when you actually meet him in Eternal Punishment, he's like a total jackass. (laughs) Total jackass. Like he totally looks like he could be a drug dealer or something. And um, I actually remember quite liking him from what little I played. He was pretty funny. Is this a case of the uh, alternate universes making him be a different guy or just uh, revealing different aspects I'm, of his personality? I'm not sure, only because, like I said, in in Innocent Sin, he's just a computer. So we don't really, we don't really know much about him, right? Um, but in Eternal Punishment, because he's an actual playable character, um, you learn like he's actually mafioso. You, you've, you've got that extra layer of personality that you you didn't necessarily get from Innocence in it. It's the same with Olala, because she has such a very brief appearance. Like, you don't really know much about her. Other than she's a gambler, an alcoholic, and apparently she likes to work out. Right? And that's all you know in Innocence in. So when you go into Eternal Punishment, like, you you have a lot more. Um, And, like I said, some of the dungeons overlap in the two games, because... For example, you actually have to do the Aerospace Museum twice. Which, um... Hey. Well, 
I think I described it earlier. It's the one where you have to save the children in a burning building. You do it twice, but in Eternal Punishment, you have a different set of characters in that situation. Uh, well, Maya um, is now the the protagonist. So does that mean that she is not? You get choices to determine just how positive she is, or how does that work? Well, with Maya being the protagonist, I mean, she's obviously switching roles. She's now the silent protagonist in the game. So you're making all the decisions with her. Um, and I know that scene has a different change because I think you can, I believe it's you can send Olala to go get the person who's um, trapped in the like in the burning plane. Um, I think you can send her as opposed to doing it yourself, or you can do it yourself still as an option. Um, Tatsia is also in the party, though, still in the game, too. I, but I, I know supposedly he leaves later on in Eternal Punishment. Like, I, again, I didn't get that far. I still had him in my party when I last checked my save file, which I booted up this evening just so I could remember where I was. <laughs> so, I mean, again, just different things. Uh, like I said, because it's a parallel universe, you've got a totally different situations occurring in the, in the game. So how many dungeons are you going to be replaying in Eternal Punishment? See, that's the part, I, truthfully, I couldn't tell you. Um, if you give me a guide and see what I've actually what I've actually played. Um, we'll have to edit this bit out. <laughs> I didn't think this question would come up. Um, Do they change the treasure chests around or anything like that? Or is it a complete... The Aerospace Museum was exact. It was the exact same layout. That I do remember because I was able to get through it with such ease, playing it in a, uh, in Innocent Sin, and I made the exact same mistakes I made when I did it in Eternal Punishment, <laughs> uh, just to prove it right. Um, but yeah, the, it, from what I noticed, the floor plan seemed to be the same, um, at least in that dungeon. Whereas I'm sure some of the other ones might be a little, might be a little different. Well, we don't have to edit this uh, out while you're looking this up. We can actually play one of our commercials. Are you yeah, tired I'll... of the same old boring backtrack talking about old favorites from the way back when right up through yesteryear? Are you ready to hear ceaseless discussions about MMOs? Well, we've got the perfect <laughs> podcast for you. So Are... I have to answer. I have to answer. <laughs> Stop yourself. Um, you do a bunch of the same dungeons over again, it looks like. Um, because you have to do Club Zodiac over which is the secret casino. Uh, you have to do gym of, uh, gold, which is the gym. If you didn't blow it up, you have to do that one again. Um, you have to do Aoba Park again. So yeah, actually, it looks like a good chunk of them are actually the same. Mm. That's kind of a bummer. It's a bummer when I replay, when I go play that one. But it looks like there's a couple new ones too, because this game is apparently much longer than Innocent Sin is, so... I mean, you're comparing supposedly people being at 30 hours BS uh, to 90 hours. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, that, that's a big difference, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> uh, according to my RP Gamer review, I did it in... Uh, you said about 40, didn't you? Uh, just less than 40, yeah. Yeah, I'm at 35 hours right now, so I'm pretty close to 40. Okay. And I know I still have a ways to go. That is true. Because <laughs> I got, I, I get lost easy. <laughs> I, I, I must have been rushing point. it for the review. I I definitely uh, 
noticed when I was reading through uh, some facts and walkthroughs to prepare for the talk today that uh, I missed out on a whole bunch of uh, mini-games and side quests. And uh, this is definitely one of the games where it has... uh, uh, My touchstone for this is Legend of Lagaya, where you can beat the game without superpowering all of your creatures or your personas. But if you do and you want to go for every fusion attack and every modification to the persona and you want to catch them all, you can easily double your playing time. Oh, God, yeah. Honestly, I think my playtime, the only reason it's as long as it is based on where I am is because I do get lost easy. So I end up needlessly grinding without really meaning to. Also, I mean, I do like the contact system now that I've gotten used to it. I appreciate it a little bit more. So I'm finding, I'm trying to be particular about which demons I'm contacting because this game, the only way to fuse Persona is with cards. So just like one, you have to get as many cards to make a bigger Persona and it's pain in the ass. Um, So it's like, if you contact lots of demons, you get lots of cards. So it's like half the time, I think, and this is maybe one of my issues with the battle system, is the fact that you're either half the time contacting demons or the other half of the time is you're battling to make sure that your levels are in sync with whatever bosses you're going to fight next. And that's kind of a pain because it feels like you're doing double the work. Whereas, you know, when you play the later two, Persona 3 and 4, battles don't feel like a chore. They feel like they are something that you just, you do them, you get through them, and you keep going. But it also helps that you're only fusing personas for one person. Which I guess is the trade-off. In, in 3 and 4. Whereas here you're doing it for everybody. Well, Hardcore Gaming says that the moon phases of the original persona are gone. That that could be... That is actually helpful, admittedly. Uh, especially in this game. Because it's really easy to screw up a contact... Like when you when you do a demon negotiation, if you don't pay attention to the personality traits that the demon has, sometimes you don't always know if certain things will even work. And the moon phase sometimes just didn't help because, um, you know, contacting them on a, a certain phase of the moon uh, would either increase or decrease your chances of a successful contact. So in one sense, it's like, yay, they took that out because that was a pain in the ass. But on the other hand, you don't have as many cues to work with. To have a better sense of, can I get this demon or not? And this is where, like, a FAQ is your best friend. <laughs> as sad as that is to say. Because then you have a better idea of, okay, this character can contact this demon, but this character can't because it will scare them away or cause them to immediately panic and fight you. Oh, man, and and this know, demon likes Phil construction loves- sounds and jet sounds. And- yeah, like, not exactly. Not every demon likes those, just as not every demon likes sexy dancing. And I'm sad they took sexy dance out. That's not an option? No, no. Mark was the only character that did it in one, and nobody does it here. Like, Lisa can dance, but it's not called sexy dancing anymore. It's just called dance, and, like, Lisa looks ridiculous when she's dancing. Like, it's a big disco ball, like, blinky lights moment. Whereas when Mark did it, it just looked really stupid and funny. (laughs) Go Persona, you're less racist now. But yeah, they took out sexy dance and replaced it with jet fighter sounds and gossip. And Ikichi doesn't even get good ones. That's what makes me sad. Like, it doesn't it a... like talk about your feelings. 
yes, you can talk about your feelings. I'm like, he's the wrong character for that. <laughs> what kind of gossip do the demons like to hear? Um, well, with Maya, what, like one of her options is, is a gossip option. So she'll talk about like teen gossip with the demons. And some of them actually like it. Like some find it interesting. Yeah, they, they, some of the demons read magazines with pictures of cute boys in it or say, uh, I'm glad I don't have to uh, try to attract a mate anymore. Yeah, really. There's this thing called marriage. <laughs> it's less work. Uh, I, I don't know anything about that. Um, okay, so you you skated around this a little bit. I we did? skated around how much – no, how much uh, – um, Let's just say an acquired taste. I'm being as kind as possible to the combat because you're clearly not enthused about it for some reason. I can't imagine why. Part of the problem, especially with the remake, is it's the same damn battle system you have seen before in Persona 1. Minus moon phases. It's not that much different. And unfortunately, you have to be one of those people that has a lot of patience because these battles are slow. Yeah, some like, people like the Dragon Quest combat system, so... Uh... Yep. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with a slow battle system, but I know for me personally, I've gotten to a stage where um, I've played so many games that have such fast battle systems. Like, make fun of me if you must about liking the Atelier series, but that combat system's fast. It's incredibly fast for what it is, considering it's also a turn-based game. Oh, I've said this before, I'm one of the few fans <clears throat> on our site for Arkwright's Fantasia. Yeah, everyone blasted it, voice acting, whatever, you know, story. Who cares about all that stuff? The combat's awesome. It's the same turn-based stuff, but as they're executing it, they're all doing it at the same time, and it all looks exciting, and it, it resolves very quickly. I, I was looking for fights to get into, because this is, like, so refreshing compared to, I don't know, any other games that might rhyme with uh, Magamori or Mevin. But it just it, it just resolves so much faster, and it respects my time. Well, and, and that's just it. This is one of those cases where if you're going to pick up Persona 2 or even Persona 1, you have to go in knowing that the battles are slow. You need to have a lot of patience because you're going to be doing a lot of them. And it's, the amount of battle to story, unfortunately, is tilted in the favor of battle. Um, the story is the better part of the game, but you have to slog through a lot of battles to get to those story bits. And that kind of sucks. But at the same time, you kind of get into a groove with it. Like I said, I'm kind of directionless. So this is why I I know I'm having a harder time with the game because I've just always struggled with dungeon crawlers where here's a million paths, pick one. I'm just like, why can't I pick all of them? And then I waste all that time picking all of them because I'll go through each and every one when really i just want to find the right one and be <laughs> now given that this is on the psp now do we have any quick save options or are you stuck oh yeah that's thing? actually but... one of the nice aspects um there is a save anywhere function you don't have to feel like oh my god i gotta find a save point because actually that's one of the per- things the persona games did well you never had to find a save point and... the saving was always there and I'll take a moment to remind those uh, people who maybe have not spent a lot of time with the PSP. PSP probably has, bar none, the best suspend battery life ever. I have never lost oh my God, a save yes. game for leaving it in suspend. I've gone to a game a month later, and the battery's lost maybe a quarter. 
you know, whereas the DS, my DS, uh, I'm playing Dragon <clears throat> Dragon Quest Six on it now, and boy, you better believe I didn't let that thing for a day. I think I've lasted the most a week on a full charge if it wasn't sitting on the charger. So yeah, you can you can no. suspend these games, no issue. I was going to say, I totally agree with you, Phil. Like, I left the game in suspend mode actually about an hour ago when I was helping... Well, now it would be two hours ago because um, I was helping my mom do something. And I went back and it's like everything was still copacetic. I was happy. I didn't have to worry. <laughs> yeah, and I tell you, that's uh, when it comes to playing these older games, Sam, I, I, I know you and I talked a little bit about this before the, the show. I don't know if you mentioned it while I briefly walked away to take care of an issue here. But, uh, you know, as I get older, my patience for slower pace, deliberately pace, whatever you want to call it, uh, combat systems keeps going downhill because I just don't have a lot of time. If I'm going to sit down on my television, I've got so many cool, fast, beautiful, pretty games to play. Uh, that going back to these old uh, old style school turn based ones is kind of rough, but at least here, if you're doing it on the PSP it, it, on the handheld, where you can do that if you're watching TV, watching football, uh, heck, I do it on the exercise machine. It, it's a little more acceptable. Yeah, you know, and and that's just actually why I haven't had the urge to go back and play Eternal Punishment because, unlike most people who probably have bought it for their PSPs at this point, um, I actually still have it on disc. Oh. On an actual PS1 disc, actually, Michael Cunningham gave it to me as a birthday present, um, which was really sweet of him. He actually found a copy because I'd been looking for years to get one. Um, so thank you, Michael. Um, so I started it, and it's just one of those games where I know, I, I truthfully, one, I don't really want to go and buy it on PSP and then play it on PSP and have to redo all those dungeons I hate <laughs> over again. Like, in a way, if I ever go back to Eternal Punishment, I will force myself to sit in front of the TV and maybe just put on a bunch of really good podcasts while I'm playing it um, to get through it. Because I just don't have that kind of patience to redo stuff if I've already done it before. That's the other part is I'm really bad for that. It's like, I've already done this crap. I'm not doing it again. Um, and I know, I know that, again, that's part of my patience level. Like, I don't have as much time as I used to, you know... And when I finally get my library job, Lord forbid, I really won't have as much time as I used to. And, you know, I have to be a little bit picky choosy here. At least with a handheld, I don't mind, especially with the PSP and the Vita. They're fantastic. You put them to sleep and they still know where you're going. Yep. But, yeah, like, is it a game I can say that I would recommend people? Yes. If you have the patience, there's a lot of good stuff here. And I don't know, like, is that something you would agree or disagree with, Zach? There is good stuff here. Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, I wouldn't recommend it for uh, you have one chance to play games before going into a uh, a busy quarter or you something like that. But if you're stuck on public transportation every day or you have a long plane ride or lots of podcasts uh, – Definitely do it. It's the kind of game where uh, it helps to be able to phase out and focus on other things for a little bit and then snap back into attention when you get to the meat, the story part. Yeah, it's definitely, it's funny. It's not a game that really demands your attention. But at the same time, like, when you get to the story bits, it's so easy to just kind of go right back into them and be like, yeah, I still totally know what's going on. Um, like, the game never makes you feel like you don't remember something which is kind of great. Um, and you can zone out when you're doing the battles. Like, at that, I totally agree with. Like, you can just sit there, you can play the battles to your heart's content, grind to whatever friggin' level you want to get to, um, 
you know, and it feel effortless for the most part. Despite the fact that you know you've put a ton of effort in. Oh, the, the, the auto battle system is pretty good. Have you been using that a lot? No, I have not. I'm afraid of the fact that the auto battle because I tried the auto battle system in one and it was terrible. <laughs> Which is it's funny that it's actually better here. I might actually have to give it a go. You know what? I'm going to try it right now. <laughs> okay. I, I, I hope I'm not leading you astray. <laughs> have you saved lately? Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Had you gotten good. far enough in Eternal Punishment to see the the different version of the Joker? Um... Well, the different version of the Joker appears in the very first dungeon. Okay. Um, because in Eternal Punishment, the Joker wears a paper bag on his head. Which doesn't sound intimidating, but the picture I'm seeing certainly does not look sane. I would actually say that the Joker looks far more sinister in Eternal Punishment than he does in Innocent Sin. In Innocent Sin, he actually looks like just a court jester. Whereas uh, in Eternal Punishment, he's a creepy man with a paper bag on his head. Paper bag man, you don't want to mess with him. Yeah, he doesn't think uh, he's all there. No. Like, I, I feel like Persona 2, as much as, like, I know I've been ragging on the battle system, it's not like it's a bad game. It's just one that I know for me personally, like, having been playing it to get ready for this, it's definitely not my favorite Persona. Um... Well, maybe you should have played it 15 years ago. Clearly, that's the solution. <laughs> no, but what I'm saying is I have a little bit more of appreciation for it, um, playing it continuously lately than when I tried to start it months ago. Like, I think for me, and part of my problem as a gamer is I'm a mood gamer. Mm-hmm. If something doesn't function with my mood, I get cranky and I just put it away. And I don't even try Whereas, if I'm in the right frame of mind for something, I tend to want to keep going. Even if I find it frustrating, I'll keep going. Because, obviously, there's something rewarding about it, you know, as I keep going. And I will say parts of this game actually have been incre- have been incredibly rewarding. Um, some of the battles in, in this game, they're pretty tough. Like, I can honestly say that I haven't had any trouble with the bosses, except for one so far. But, I haven't gotten out of battles completely unscathed either. So there's a good challenge level here. And, and actually... And this, this version does have a difficulty select, right? It does. Yes. Okay. Which is nice. Which is not something you, uh... You see in these old Persona games, but actually that was one of the benefits, I guess, of those PSP re-releases is the fact that they gave you an adjustable difficulty. Um, so you might you might be feeling a little more negatively if you had been dying every tenth battle and had to reload constantly, or every well, fifth I mean, battle. <laughs> I've actually, and this is just as someone who's played a lot of SMT games, I'm a frequent saver. Um, there are some games where it's like if if I know it's easy, I'm not gonna. I I tend not to save as much, <laughs> and then I that's usually when I screw up. But it's like I've trained myself for SMT games to just be a vigilant saver because you never know what you're going to get kind of around the corner like you know you can have isn't it still one of those games where the main character or somebody dies the game's over actually no that's one of the benefits of persona 2 and persona 1 actually is your whole party has to die they change that for 3 and 4 whereas if the hero dies um then it's game over but to be fair Persona 3 negates that, and so does Persona 4, actually, um, if you play on easy. 
if you play on easy mode in both those games, they give you enough of these plumes so that if you keep dying, you just resurrect. <laughs> so it's not so bad. And honestly, I think... I find, truthfully, actually, that Persona 3 and 4 are the easier games. Because I've actually played those on hard, and I didn't find them hard. Whereas the old Persona games, 1 and 2, I've actually had to play on easy because they're actually challenging. They're Like, for me, like a lot more brain power seems to be required. Where it's like, I can play 3 and 4 blindfolded, and I'm just like, yeah, I know that boss is this, this boss is this... And I can just kind of snap my fingers and everything happens. Whereas here, I have to be a lot more thoughtful about what I'm doing because it's not as clear or as obvious things like weaknesses and stuff are. So, yeah, that's just me, though. Um, and since, I don't know, Zach, you've played 3 and 4, right? Zach? <laughs> I think Zach, I lost that. Zach has run away. He's run away from me. It's okay. Oh, his oh, no, audio wait. is sleeping. Skype ah. is being stupid. Okay, while we wait for his audio to catch up, let's. How's the music? Eh. It's nothing special. So it doesn't. Make your, doesn't make your ears bleed, but it doesn't make you groove out. Here's the thing. Okay, when it comes to Persona soundtracks, none of them will ever beat three for me. I think three has the best soundtrack. Oh, it people does. Will, people will argue that four has the better soundtrack, and four has some amazing tracks. But three has songs that just like they stick with me. I find myself when I'm out in a public place, I could just it pops into my head and I start singing along, or you know, if it appears on my my iPod, I just I keep going and I groove to it and I'm happy. Two and one have never had memorable soundtracks. They're pretty lame, for the most part. <laughs> There's not much to in terms of tunes, but, I mean, others will tell you the soundtracks are great, because, you know, it's Shoji Meguro, and yes, I love Shoji Meguro. He doesn't get enough love. Drives me crazy the man doesn't get enough love, because I actually think his soundtracks are some of the best for RPGs. And the PSP version does have uh, the option to play the original PlayStation soundtrack or the... Uh... The new one. Or the remixes, so... It, it's be- better than it could be. I was going say, the remix versions are better, that's for sure. I will yeah. definitely give it that. The, uh, the original songs were kind of lame. It's just, I'm sorry, like, how do you how do you compare this soundtrack to what we get in 3 with, like, Burn My Dread, or... Um, I will burn my... Sorry. It's okay. Or Mass Destruction. Like... Those are really catchy songs. Um, and that's why, like I said, the Persona 3 and 4 just are so memorable in terms of their music. Whereas in 1 and 2, the tracks just... Uh, not a lot of them really stand out. I mean, unless you talk about the pharmacy song from 1, which is amazing. <laughs> I love the pharmacy song. Um, but here, even the pharmacy song in this one's kind of lame. <laughs> so I'm kind of like, Persona 2... Like, to be honest, I haven't really had the sound on. Like, there's voice acting in this one, which I turn on for when there is plot points. Troy Baker is totally a Kichi, which is kind of awesome. <laughs> Makes perfect sense, because he plays Kanji in 4. Um, but yeah, like, I haven't really turned the music on, to be honest. I've been listening to audiobooks instead, or um, podcasts, or listening to other music. 
just because I just don't find the soundtrack that interesting. Like, if a soundtrack doesn't grab me right away, I generally will just turn it off. Except when I'm... I was going to say, except when I'm just turning the sound off and listening to the soundtrack from 3? I may have done that. But uh, that's just true... Again, that's another one of my gaming habits. Um, Unless I'm reviewing the game, I don't listen to the music unless I like it. And yeah, I've that, played, a, played plenty of review games that have really bad soundtracks. <laughs> that's fair. My, my reviewer secret is that whenever I'm playing a game, I just mute it and listen to One Winged Angel. Because <laughs> oh. everybody wants to hear... Yeah. It makes it sound so much more epic, eh? <laughs> it does. So epic. The solar system being blown apart for some reason. Hey, that bit was funny. The first time. Exactly. I was going to say the first time. <laughs> you won't get away with seeing it only once, though. Like, again, Persona soundtracks, they got better as the games went on. They didn't start out that great. Um, like, it's to be honest, when it comes to soundtracks, like I can't think of too many gaming soundtracks that I listen to on repeat. Pretty much it's like the Bastion soundtrack, the Transistor soundtrack, the Persona 3 soundtrack, and the Persona 4 soundtrack. I'm, I'm pretty lame when it comes to soundtracks, but I also like vocal music as opposed to instrumental. That's another one of my sort of things. Like A lot of people I know who are gamers are like, nah, instrumental music, man, it's the best. Because that's mostly what you're listening to. And I'm like, no, I need words. I don't care if they're in another language. I want words. Oh, and the Sweet Code and 2 soundtrack. Love it. I was going to ask about that. Uh, have you heard all the vocal ones, like uh, Beautiful Morning and the Narcissist <gasps> theme? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Oh, my Richmond goodness. Theme. To my heart, the Dandy Richmond. <laughs> Love Dandy Richmond. But the, we're not talking about Persona at this point anymore. Um <laughs> Which is sad. Uh, we should be staying on Persona, but okay. Yeah, Here, let's, I mean, let's let's deal with it one more time. Do oh, the no. visuals hold up? No. <laughs> the fashion sense does, but the visuals do not. It's still fugly. <laughs> <laughs> um, is it as butt ugly as Persona One? No. Persona One is still the most butt ugly thing ever. And at least they got rid of the whole bit about crosswalks. I hated the thing about crosswalks in Persona 1. Thank God the remake also got rid of those. Yeah, no, visually, it, it's nothing special. Like, the Disgaea games look a million times better than this game does. Though, to be fair, since this is a PS1 game, we should be grateful that it isn't smothered in polygons, right? No, that's that's definitely a benefit. No one has cans for hands. Yay! <laughs> That could be bad. That actually could be really bad now that I think about it. No cans for hands. I'm so lost in this dungeon. I hate it. Um, Just keep singing oh. stuff. I will burn my... Yeah, sorry. Totally. After I leave, I'm going to, like, blare mass destruction and burn my speakers by playing it. Whatever gets you through the uh, conveyor belt mazes. Hey, I finally got out of that. <laughs> yes, I was whining on Twitter today about conveyor belt ma- uh, puzzles. And I don't care what anyone tells me. They're still but awful. But awful. No one in their right mind should think a conveyor belt puzzle is fun. It's not. Especially when you have a high encounter rate. 
I encounter eight plus conveyor belt puzzle equals not fun times. There's no fun times in that. And I don't mind puzzles in games. Like, I know, Phil, you don't like puzzles in your RPGs. Yeah, I like them if they're so easy that anybody, including a simpleton like me, can figure them out. I just hate them when they're stupidly... You know, puzzles are great until you don't get them. And then I have to go FAQ hunting, and that pisses me off. Or I spend an hour and a half talking you know, to every person in town thinking they might have the answer, and I waste a lot of valuable time, speaking of not respecting my time. That's just, I guess, the problem, though, with older games like this, is they really don't respect your time because their logic is you have all the time in the world. Yeah. yeah. Any other questions for Zach and I about Persona 2? You guys should talk to Zach more. He's adorable, and I've talked too much. <laughs> he is staying suspiciously quiet over there. It's true. <laughs> because I'm terrifying, admit it. No. Oh, I tried. I will not. I don't think we've gotten... It. Well, Zach could tell us what it's like to kill Hitler, I guess. Oh, that's true. It's probably, it's probably very satisfying, isn't it? It's actually not as satisfying as it would seem, because uh, it turns out it is not the real Hitler. No! What? It's uh, a Balls. form ensorcelled up by Nyarlathotep. It's, re- it's really like the Scooby-Doo uh, trick all over again. Uh, during the battle with Hitler, he's using the Lance of Long- Longinus and summoning Nyarlathotep as his supposed persona to attack you. But then after the battle, Nyarlathotep pulls off his Hitler mask and says, Surprise, it was me all along. Man, you said, like, my least favorite words in video gaming. Scooby-Doo. <laughs> oh, I hate when I games... I would have gotten away with it all, too, if it weren't for you kids. Yeah, don't get me started on games that like to Scooby-Doo things. Yep. I'll try As- to forgive you, Persona 2. I will try to forgive you. You're not like Nino Cooney. Thank no. God. Which is no, no story it, entirely. It, 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 uh, the positive way to read this is that the is that the penultimate boss is not Adolf Hitler with a spear, but the spirit of Nazism and the uh, hatred that humanity is capable of drawing to bear on something. So you're fighting emotions, man, not just a person. That's kind of fabulous. So you're killing off neo-Nazism forever? That's that's pretty deep. But but then the end of the the end cuts thing invalidates that, so. Oh, no! Great. Boo! Yeah, I, know, I know Sam said uh, spoilers are okay, but I'm not going to completely give it away because then there would be no incentive to play the sequel. I was going to say, so you're going to wait for that email that I send you when I'm done the game. Okay. Of, what was this? And it'll be long and, like, rambly. Maybe. We'll see. It'll be fun. Dun dun dun. Okay. I think that about taps my repertoire, my reservoir of questions. What about you, Phil? How? No, I've heard all I've needed to hear. <laughs> and now you're going to go out and play it right away? Oh, oh, absolutely. I'm on top of that crap. Just as soon as I get done with something we could do that I just downloaded on my Vita. 
I thought yeah, you were still playing Dragon Quest VI, Phil. No, yeah, no, no, no. He needs to stop playing Dragon Quest VI, which is clearly an inferior game to Sweet Coden 2. Yeah, Mike. I mean, um, you know, watching what happened to you after, joking, you know, know, you talked about 7, I don't want to get blasted the same way you did, Mike. <laughs> so I'm going to play a game that everyone agrees is awesome, and I'm just going to say awesome things about it, right? I love Sweet Yeah, that, that is the way of informed criticism. Definitely. <laughs> But but he's playing one of my favoriteest games in the whole wide world. Well, that is a game I could replay a million times, and it's still awesome. Well, we'll probably talk about. Although it still doesn't have a good localization. <laughs> oh no, it really does. Okay, okay, hold on. Time out. Time out. We're gonna take a little break, and we're gonna come back and wrap this up with the final lap, where you guys can talk about Sweet Get In if you like, and anything else that's on your mind, because that's what the final lap's all about. We'll be right back. discussion and realized that, hey, there's a Blast from the Recent Past section that we could do. So we're going to squeeze that in. Blast from the Recent Past is that part of the show where we talk about a couple of RPGs that came out about two years ago. So if you passed it up or something, maybe you didn't want to pay full price for it, uh, you'll be a little bit more informed as to whether or not you should go and grab it out of the bargain bin. And if you already bought it, maybe you should have stuck it on eBay. Or maybe you should go back and play it. We'll let you know. We got two games on the docket this evening. We'll make it quick. The first one is Ninukuni, A Wrath of the White Witch, developed by Level 5, published in North America by Namco Bandai. This was released on the PlayStation 3 in North America on January 22nd, 2013. This is a single-player RPG experience coming to you on one beautiful, gorgeous, fantastic Blu-ray disc. I don't want to talk about it. It's cute. Look at these Ghibli Ghibli graphics. What's it called? Uh, Ghibli Ghibli? What was the artist's name who does these graphics I see on those really cute uh, Jap anime movies? That would, be, wanna... that would be the Studio Ghibli. Ghibli Wibbly. Ghibli Ghibli graphic. It's so pretty. This is very gorgeous. I'm looking at the screenshots here. I'm just drooling. I mean, this game must be awesome because it's very pretty. I don't want to talk about it. Ooh, look at that. And instead of the boring old same old menus you're seeing in combat, you got a picture of your main character's head, and he's got little text bubbles like a cartoon, and you get to pick which bubble, like attack and whatever. He actually says it. It's it, it's like right above his head. It's really cute. That is so unique. This this game has beauty. It has style. It's a really gorgeous I'm, sunset. If you want to know how I feel, read our recent feature called I Should Have Loved You. Because this really was a case with this game for me. On to the next game. Oh, you know, look at this. It's got like four paragraphs of, flaw, of plot. That must make it deep. 
It's called The Plot Was the Dumbest Friggin' Thing in the World. Dudette, it got a frickin' 9.4 on IGN. IGN's dumb. Okay, Famitsu gave it like a 36 out of 40. Famitsu likes everything. Game Master gave it a 9.5. I don't even know what that is. Yeah, I don't but... either. We yeah, gave as, it a 3.5. As we just 5. saw, Famitsu gave Dragon Quest Seven uh, 38 out of 40 way back when. Alright, you know what? I'll give you the short I give Mr. Then. Drippy a 38 out of 40. I do like <laughs> Mr. Drippy. Mr. Drippy's fantastic. You know what? I'll give you the short version of this game. <laughs> My beef with Nino Kuni is very simple. I have never seen a game be so incredibly disrespectful to its cast of characters by treating them like they are so stupid beyond belief. That really bothered me. I don't like games where the characters are so idiotic. And it's on purpose. Like, oh my god, I couldn't figure out this plot point. Oh my god, this guy's a prince. Meanwhile, the players figured out that the guy is a prince two hours ago. <laughs> on. Like, gamers are not stupid. And these characters shouldn't be stupid either. Like and the worst st- part is, the worst part is, this is the worst case of Scooby-Dooing, look, the word came back, in a game. <laughs> because what you have is, actually, the analogy I used in the feature was actually a lot better. It was... If you've ever watched the show She-Ra, think about She-Ra for a second, right? Someone will say, oh my god, where is She-Ra? And then, you know, Princess Aurora will transform and be like, I'm right here. But then they'll say, oh, but where's Princess Aurora? And then she'll, you know, not transform and they'll be like, but I'm right here. Like, there's so many moments of that in Nino Kuni that it's embarrassing. It's just like... Are you for real? Is is the story for real? It's really bad. And the battle system has some of the worst AI I've ever seen. Like, brutal. Poorly constructed AI. The only thing that's good about the game is the music and the graphics. That's it. It's not even worth playing. Just for the sole fact that there's not a story to get invested to. There's a character in the game who is in the game. She has no real importance. And then they tack on this little bit called the White Witch Arc really, really pointless, because they tell this character's story six times. You know what the worst part about it is? The story doesn't change those six times. Is it a good Uh, story? No. (laughs) It's written also by... Okay, (laughs) and if you know anything about Gundam, for an example, my husband, he freaked out when he figured this out. The story is written by Akihiro Hino, who is considered one of the worst writers of Gundam ever. So he freaked out when he realized that they were one and the same. He's like, no wonder this game is horrible. No wonder why none of the plot makes sense and why there's so many gaping holes. And I was like, I was like, what do you mean? And he goes, then he showed me the Gundam show he worked on. And I was like, wow, this is terrible. Just just to give some extra win to your sales here. uh, And uh, not not that everyone shouldn't just buy everything you say at wholesale. Uh, right here is Adrian Denalden's uh, review and just read a couple lines talking specifically about the story he says it's equally dispiriting and uplifting and for the first 40 hours of the game the tale is tr- a truly fantastic one unfortunately the last 10 hours of the game the White Witch Saga which was added for the PS3 version feels tacked on unnecessary and actively undoes much of what was accomplished by the rest the entire chapter feels more like cheap DLC than an actual part of the story 
Worse, the ending of this chapter is so incredibly short that it was literally over before I could even finish tweeting that it had started. The entire segment feels like a complete waste of time and actually detracts from the game as a whole. Had the entire thing been cut out from the game completely, it would have probably been better off. And you know what? I can agree with most of that sentiment, but I would still argue that there are still parts of that plot that have some gaping holes. Um, still treat the characters like they're incredibly stupid. Like, there's a whole bit in the city of Hamlin where they are talking about, there's a missing prince, except the missing prince is totally in your party. And it's like, really, guys? You couldn't figure that out? Are you really that stupid? He's kind of right here because he's totally making facial expressions to the camera that he's uncomfortable with this conversation. And it's stuff like that that makes me incredibly angry about game design. It's like, if you're going to make this story really, really like heartfelt and stuff... Make it so that it's not so stupidly obvious. Give us something to explore. Instead of, we see this scene, he's stupidly uncomfortable, and then two hours later they go, oh, wait, you're the prince. I mean, that, that that's the kind of crap that would go on back in the 80s on the NES RPGs, and you kind why, of... Why, like I said, why do you think I made the comparison to She-Ra? Yeah, I just, okay. So I, I think uh, I think what's really interesting here, uh, boys and girls, and this is the reason why I really wanted to, to get this in on a, on a segment today, is <clears throat> Nino Kuni came out to, real, as, to really great reviews. I wasn't just poking fun there at Marshmallow. Uh, you know, I, I remember when it came out. Huge, huge, great reviews. I mean, it's backed by Stugia. It's very, very beautiful. Uh, there's a lot of people that went out and impulse purchases just based on the great reviews, the great artwork, et cetera, et cetera. But here at RP Gamer, when we sit down and review a game, we play from beginning to end, and we look at it from an RP player's perspective, whereas the story is very important to us. And there was a lot of shortfalls there, and, and Adrian pointed out to some of them. You just pointed out some more. So that's why we keep telling you, before you buy our games, go out and check out our reviews at RP Gamer. Buy, buy RP lovers for RP lovers. So, uh... <laughs> Speaking of uh, games that were not universally loved, let's talk about the second one on the list today, Unchain Blaze, developed by Furu, published by Xseed. You this mean was, Furu? You know what? I'm just going to just say what's there on the screen, okay? Furu. <laughs> it actually looks more like... Well, I shouldn't say that. I'll have to ampersand myself. Um, anyways, this was released on the PlayStation Portable. It also says the uh, Nintendo 3DS here. Uh, on the PlayStation Portable in North America on June 26, 2012. And on the 3DS, January 3rd, 2013. So about... Uh, huh, <laughs> this is almost... That's why it's popping up on the two-year list, because it was on the 3DS two years ago. This is a single-player RPG, a dungeon-crawling experience. So uh, I believe our, our Mr. Zach can tell me about this awesome game that, according to the notes here, this is a dungeon-crawling role-playing game similar to Wizardry, but with a greater emphasis on the story. Now, I'm a, I'm a kind of fan of the Wizardry series, especially the last Wizardry game, officially made by Surtech Wizardry 8, is one of my favorite of all time. Uh, tell me, is, does this carry on that great torch? Should I rush back out and, and grab this in place? Because the only way I think you could have made Wizardry 8 a little better was to maybe add some uh, better story or more story to it. It's a complex question, but uh, I've been thinking about Unchained Blade since you first mentioned it to me, and I'm trying to put myself back in the mindset I was when I originally gave the review, because I, that's the only time I played the game. And if you're 
hoping for a wizardry experience with more story, and it's the story that's dragging you in, I wouldn't necessarily suggest Unchained Blades, because while the story is there, the characters... story beats, but they don't uh, give an extra robust feeling that you're getting to know this group of friends and going on wild world-spanning adventures. It It is fun for its uh, combat, for its uh, all the different ways that you can tweak your characters. You can uh, train... Uh, what are they called? Each character can have up to four uh, pets that stand behind them in battle and aid them in battle. And you can train those guys up. So uh, it definitely feels like you're leading a big army or at least a uh, an, an exciting mob at the enormous bosses. And it's fun to uh, build up the characters. But if you're saying, I like wizardry, but I want wizardry with more story. If you're going for the story, you're going to be disappointed. Okay, so let's say let's let's take that and run with it. So the story, not super great or not any better apparently than to some of the wizardry games. Okay, got that. I mean, Wizardry Eight, uh, shoot, you made your six characters. They had little vocal clips here and there, and then you would get an NPC or two along the way. Um, <clears throat> so it wasn't a whole lot, of, in my opinion, anyways, a whole lot there to begin with. Um, so, uh, but but what kept me going through Wizardry Eight were the skill raking up, building a party, the dungeon crawling, the combat was really solid. Is that the case here? Am I on? Yeah, combat solid. Uh, you, uh, there are, uh, I think, a total of six different characters: the dragon, phoenix, fox, death, uh, dryad, Medusa, and golem. So you definitely have to uh, pick of the story characters the ones that fit your uh, strategy best and the theme of the dungeon best. Since uh, whenever you're dealing with uh, elementals and RPGs, you need to make sure you're using the fire guy for the ice dungeon, etc. And okay, uh, okay, and uh, balancing out uh, how you want the characters to act to your specific strategy. And then uh, the actual needs of the dungeon takes you pretty far into the game, and uh, you can get a lot of fun out of it. I remember thinking that the uh, 60-plus hours of the game was a bit much for the concept. I would have liked it if it were a little shorter and there was a little less filler. But that said... Maybe someone who like you, who is more of a uh, wizardry purist who likes the uh, 3D dungeon crawling more, would think this is the perfect length of time, or it's not a... Uh... What was the word that was used earlier? A uh, For a slow game that was very polite, very kind. Uh... Deliberately paced? <laughs> Deliberately yeah, paced. Del- yes! <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Mm. Hey. I didn't have that uh, mindset when I was playing with it, but if you like the deliberately paced uh, dungeon crawlers, how was the how was the balance? The Did you have any balance issues? Did you feel like you know so like some other games uh, like <clears throat> the bosses that would kill me in three hits after I had like grinded for hours? <laughs> Do you, Did you run into issues there? Uh, it, 
I do remember some balance issues. Nothing as bad as that. Uh, the worst part was probably in uh, chapter three of the four chapter game, mm-hmm. where you start out as a new character, and you start, and he's all alone. So it's supposed to be the wandering loner who gets absorbed into the larger group, but in order to do that, first you have to go through a uh, dungeon just with one character when the uh, system really works the best when you have characters who can account for each other's weaknesses and like one person can attack and one can heal or one can use status ailments. And you get you get a lot of customization in, the, in how you build your party and stuff? Or how you grow them, maybe? Yeah, uh, every character follows a... Uh, uh, each, you don't get to choose who the characters are. Like The fox girl will always have the fox-type attacks and the stealing attacks. The death girl will have the uh, instant kill attacks and the spooky attacks. Okay, now, you know, I was with you, and I was and, about... And then you can choose... Uh... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> go on. I was just going to say, I was with you until you start listing off all these characters and what they do, and, 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 you know, that is so stereotypical. How many times, how many games do we have to play where the fox girl's a thief and the black death girl cast death magic? Why can't she be the priest that heals people, even though she looks all gothy? And the fox person, she should be the tank. You know, I mean, there's so much prejudice and stereotyping going on in these games. It's just sick. It's sad. We should stand up to it. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, but then the Medusa couldn't be the priestess, and that's kind of uh, pushing boundaries. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah, I feel better and, now. And, and the golem is a tank, but I, I feel like that's mitigated and has made it a little okay because he's very cowardly, and he wears a tiny crown, and it's a very cute <laughs> crown. That is funny. Okay, well, uh, so, so, um, uh, do, 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 do. So, I, I, let me just bounce back really quick to Ninakuni. Y'all, we kind of talked a lot about the positives and negatives of Unchained Blades. I felt like, thinking back real quick to Ninakuni, we, we talked about negatives and a little bit about, of course, the purity graphics and everything. Was there anything redeeming about the gameplay? No. no, we did not. Ah, okay. So uh, I was going to tell you that Ninukuni uh, is going for about fifteen dollars, but uh, I'm going to guess if I ask Sam whether or not she thinks that's worth it, uh, she's going to say like, no. Actually, to be honest, if it's if you're still curious about it and you want to try, fifteen bucks is not a bad price. Okay, uh, Unchained Blades uh, doesn't cost that much more. It is uh, twenty dollars. And it, but it is showing that it's a PSP game. It does not show in uh, the little Vetus uh, flag on it on the store. So I'm going to guess this is one of those uh, titles that does not port over to the Vita. So hmm. I'm not sure that. about that. Yeah, I don't know. I'm looking at it on the uh, both the shop on uh, the website at the Sony Entertainment Network dot com and mm-hmm. here on my here on my Vita and on the Vita it just says PSP game. Um, and on uh, it says I think thing. it might I do think it might you know I might have to I can always check actually yeah and uh, and you know what uh, What I think Zach you said you gave it a what 3 3.5 yeah I gave it a 3 and three. it's definitely it's definitely worth 20 bucks yeah yeah and so if you're a fan of Dungeon Crawlers it sounds like you could almost add a half point to another point to that score and yeah. and if you're a guy 
you're going to want to add another point to that because the priestess in this game is really blessed, if you know what I'm saying, boys. So <laughs> there you go. Five out of five. Done. For 20 oh. bucks, you can't beat it. <laughs> that's that's how we... coming through. That's how we reason things out here on the RPG backtrack. Uh, we're going to continue to look at the uh, look into the uh, Vita compatibility, but uh, in the meantime, oh, is uh, that what you're looking into? I well, yeah, that's ex- I'm, I'm solely doing research here, Mike, for the benefit of our listening audience. Well, remember, uh, you can get it as a digital download on your P, uh, on your 3ds. Uh, yeah, oh. it doesn't say anywhere that it's Vita compatible. This is kind of interesting. Oh, I wonder if the 3D... My 3DS is upstairs. I wonder if the... Oh, I think uh, Nintendo Store is online. I'll go look at that, too, see if the price is... Any that different. one I know for sure is there, and I actually think it's gone down in price. I want to say it's 15 I don't have my 3DS on me, though. Yeah. And, you know, there's no more PlayStation Store attached to the PSP, so... I can't check that for you. It is showing uh, at Nintendo.com show nineteen ninety nine, but that's not the official eShop. Uh, I'll still uh, I'll have to look for that for just a moment. But while I do that, we will take a, a break. We'll come back. We'll wrap this up with the final lap. We're pretty sure it's going to be the final lap this time. So hold on tight. Yay! back. This is the final lap. We just kind of wrap things up, do kitchen sink stuff, and all while playing Rollers of the Realm, the new pinball role-playing game brought to you by your friends at Atlas USA, because if you merge two completely different things together, it's bound to be awesome. I'm just joking. I'm not playing the pinball. I, I just wonder if any of y'all have played Rollers of the Blade uh, Realm. I, I want to say not. Rollers of the Blade. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm just uh, I'm waiting for the official RP Gamer review on that by the way. So I don't think we even covered it. It's a role-playing game. Come on. It's also pinball. Okay, but it's a role-playing game. Talk to Mac. Oh man, look at that. It's got flippers. Oh, St- Steam says that it's an RPG. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh and I, I'm going to use the official RP gamer statement of talk to Michael Cunningham. You know, it, it is made by uh, Atlas, which gives it extra RPG points. So uh there you go. All right. If any of y'all, by the way, if anybody in the listening audience has played Rollers of the Realm, I would just love to hear what you have to say. You can leave your comments on our forum thread. Uh We always have an RPG backtrack on the latest show thread going on. That's over at board.rpgamer.com. Or you can tweet me. 
I'm at JC Servant. Let's see here. Uh, next show will be Shepard in the Right Stuff. We're going to close out the Mass Effect trilogy by talking about Mass Effect 3 and all of its various DLC that's out there. So that should be pretty exciting. You'll want to you want to download that one if you're a Mass Effect fan or if you're wondering what that whole Mass Effect craze is all about and how it ended. That's another one I think Sam knows about for some reason. I do. Mass Effect. I like that series. Right. Uh, what else? What else? What else? You criticize well, me for my shiny games. The shiny but games. Love, that's right. But I, love, but I love that one. There you go. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, we don't have any forum comments on the last show because we're recording these in such quick succession. People just haven't had time to listen to the three and a half hour extravaganza uh, <laughs> that we did last time on. Uh, that and New Year's is generally not the best time to get a whole ton of feedback on the site. Maybe I'm maybe I don't know anything. Maybe New Year's is usually really big for news on every other site. But research ours. research has shown. That that we get the most downloads, the most listeners, and the most forum comments during the working hours of, you know, like Monday through Friday. What is it with you guys? Doing this stuff at work? Really? That's awesome because I do too. All right. So <laughs> let's, do the, uh, let's do the round table. Uh, what are you doing? What have you done on the side? What are you playing? What's on your heart? What's on your mind, Mr. Zach Wellhouse? I just finished uh, playing Lisa, the painful RPG from uh, Dingling Productions Limited. It's uh, been a wild ride. I'm trying to decide if I want to play through again in the, it's called painful mode, before uh, writing and publishing my review, because that promises to make a brutal, quirky RPG even more brutal and more quirky. Uh, That said, I'm not sure that I have the... uh, Stamina? Stamina, (laughs) internal fortitude to play a hard mode that only allows one save over the course of the game. That's kind of mean. Wow. Wow. That reminds me I do gotta ask, Zach, do you think that the company of one person that made it, Dingling, was totally like that Simpsons quote about the song My Dingling? (laughs) Because that's totally what I thought of when I saw there and when they got the arm. I would not put it past him. Yay! I'm afraid of it. I will play it, but I'm afraid of it. You should uh, live stream it then. Uh, Share the... (laughs) I should, you know, just for shit's sake. Share the experience with everyone else. Share my torture. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Anything else cool? Let's see. I've discovered this uh, new puzzle RPG hybrid called Puzzle and Dragons, and that's not actually an RPG. No. 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 Um... That's pretty much it. Uh, I've actually uh, been taking on more at work lately, and my gaming has been limited. I've been playing some one-way heroics. Uh, during the winter Steam sale, I was mostly a observer and uh, card merchant than actually playing games. Uh, been making cents on the dollar on my Steam trading cards. You did better than me. I gave away lots of Steam gifties during the holiday sale because I was like, these are awesome prices. Oh, then, 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 then I decided that I had to give you some back. That was very nice of you. And you're the real winner. You you found the true meaning of Christmas. Oh my god, I know. Not Scrooge. Awesome. <laughs> but it, you know, it's it's nice. I, one thing I love about Steam Sale, as someone who's new to Steam, uh, you know, is you do get some crazy 
deals on stuff that you're like, hey, I really want to play that. And then you acquire a backlog that you're just looking at and going, how did this happen? Oh, yeah. I could do I'm sure whole, Phil knows that. So. Could, we, we could do a whole act of topical banter on it, just you and me, because I'm like up to 350 Steam games, like another 350 on GOG. It, it's, it's, it's an addiction. It's just, it's just bad. And, I'm trying uh, to behave myself. I only have 30. So I will, I will talk a little bit more about that during my turn. I don't want to, I don't want to take away Zach's spotlights. His turn. Uh, that's that's pretty much all I have. Zach's a librarian. He's a busy guy. Hmm. Well, I, okay. Uh, I guess this is vaguely related, so I'll mention it. Uh, for anyone who cares about the prestige of uh, academic library journals, I just got published in. Cataloging and catalogs quarterly. Dang! What? That's awesome. Dang! Yeah, and it, yeah. And it was an article about how to uh, possibly catalog RP- RPGs based on plot elements. I'd kind of be curious how uh, actual RP gamers uh, respond to a system like this, uh, since they obviously have a different view than academics. We've uh, the people I worked with uh, definitely play games for fun. They're not just. Uh, lab-coded librarians or whatever the stereotype may be that I'm just making up. But <laughs> No, I'll, I'll definitely actually have to check that out when I go back to uh, classes. In okay. Because yeah. actually, I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure we subscribe to that. So, yes, we do. We, I will look into that then. Remind me when I go back to look Okay, can do. Do I... not let me forget. If anyone has uh, access to uh, lots of academic databases, search for Wellhouse, W-E-L-H-O-U-S-E, and we'll see if it shows up. I could just see my cataloging teacher having a heart attack about that, because she barely likes when video games come up in cataloging, or like role-playing games, because she sits there and scratches her head and goes, come here, Library of Congress, help me fix this. And then there's no possible rules for some of the things that comes up. And then she yeah, cries a bit. Yeah, that's hopefully what we're, what we're trying to do, find a way to uh, actually get uh, video games or e- even just RPGs cataloged in a way that makes sense and is useful for the viewers so they don't have to uh, trust such uh, commercially motivated sites. As... Well, and it's, it's hard, too, because there are services that try. I mean, I don't know how many libraries you deal with that do BiblioCommons, but BiblioCommons, which is that weird interface that you put on top of your ILS, um, it tries to showcase video games, at least in, in my local library, which is kind of adorable, but it's still not cataloged in a way that it makes it easy to find, which drives me crazy. So if I want to take a game out from the library, I'm like, I better know what the hell it's called and hope for the best. It's not exactly something that's just easy to search, that's for damn sure. No. On the other hand, libraries are awesome. Go use them. That's right. Make sure Zach and I have work. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Please. Many of them have free internet access and free magazines. And they let you use your use the free internet to play games on, because we don't judge. It's true. Just don't look at porn. <laughs> we, we will ask you politely to leave. <laughs> We've had people do that in our hotel on the free Wi-Fi computers there. Bad guess, bad. Like uh, out in the lobby, or yeah, okay, out in the lobby, where any kid or anybody could be just walk by and see what you, you think you'd no no. What's really funny? Here's what's really hilarious. We've got like 
professional level spam filters and firewalls and all that other bull. So I had a guest complaining to me because she was trying to access her business cards on vistaprint.com. It's a legitimate site. I've used it a few times to print out some um, to create business cards. <clears throat> She couldn't pull up her content on there because our security firewalls or whatever wouldn't let that through. At the same time, the day before, I had a guest complain that uh, that they had sat down at the computer after another client had used it. They didn't hit the log off button, which normally erases anything that's been done on that computer. So they sat down, and first thing that pops up is uh, pornography videos. And it's just so, she, you know, one of the employees like, how come it lets that go through and not a legitimate business card? I'm like, don't know, buddy. Yeah, crazy. But we digress. Okay, what about Marshmallow? Um, not much uh, has been up with. Um, set up a fear back in that went up about games we were super hyped for and then just didn't meet our expectations called I Should Have Loved You. That was a lot of work, but really rewarding. Really liked the content I got out of the staff, so I'm really pleased. Um, I forgot to write anything. That's there okay. Are, there are many I could have written about. Oh, there's always plenty, you know. Of, I was surprised Scott didn't write about Project X Zone. He never finished it. I think was part of his problem. That That's being, a good reason not to write about it. <laughs> I mean, that being said, I haven't really been playing a lot for review because there really hasn't been anything. Uh, last game I reviewed was Adventure Time: Secret of the Nameless Kingdom, which I gave a three five to. Um, it's a really good Zelda clone. Like, if you like Zelda, you will probably like this game. If you like Adventure Time, you will definitely like this game. Uh, It's really... It's so cute. Are you looking for something new to review? We're looking for Rollers of the Realm. Coming out now from Atlas USA. Well, I actually have an assignment. It's just I haven't gotten a code for it yet. So (laughs) I'm I'm waiting on getting the code for my next assignment, which is going to be Atelier Aisha Plus. Which hopefully won't destroy me emotionally like it did the first time. No, no, it's plus now. It will destroy you emotionally and physically. See, well, actually, pluses. see, the, the first time I played it, uh, my dad had just passed away. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, different situation. Mm-hmm. But it, it's all good. It's all good. Like, it's it's been two years now. I think I can do this without being Nessie Cuckoo. It's all good. Uh... What else? Did you do? Any, did y'all get anything fun or exciting for Christmas, or did you play any cool, awesome games during your Christmas holiday, whatever the hell it's called, break? Mm, not really. I just played a lot of Dragon Age. Are you enjoying that? I am in love with Inquisition. It's very fun. What do you like about Inquisition? Um, it's huge. Trying to romance all the people, even though like everyone's getting mad at me that I should just settle. So I have, and then I picked the Clinger again, and I just have this thing about picking Clingers for some reason. Makes me sad. <laughs> picking Clingers. It always happens. Every time. Yeah, well, that's how they earn their title. Uh, at what system are you playing it on? Um, I've been playing it on PS4. Ah, is it doing good on there? Any Any bug issues? I have not had too many bugs at all. I have not had the game crash. For the most part, it's been pretty solid. Um, yeah, no, I, I honestly have not had any problems with it at all. I think at most, I just have the odd situation where the characters will pop in to an area, and then they fall down, and then you can move around again. But other than that, uh, not much else. Uh, how's the uh, how's the graphics? 
really pretty. Um, I've been taking screen caps from the PS4, actually, and posting them every so often with captions. Um, they're good. They're, they're actually, like, it's really nice looking. And I decided to play as a, um, a Kanari warrior, a female Kanari warrior, and I had a lot of fun, like, making the character, and she's super hot. And I'm really happy about that. <laughs> My characters well, have to look good, okay? As it's long just... as she's super hot, then I guess it's a good game. Well, it's either I make them super, super, super hot or super, super ugly. Having only played Origins so far, I'm not sure what a female canary would even look like. Well, um, let's put it this way. It doesn't look like Sten. That's like, good. No, you should actually look up and see what people have come up with for uh, Inquisition. Like, so, You know what? There's been surprisingly a lot of really good stuff in terms of just, like, what people have created, like, to make, to counterpart the fact that most of the time, canaries are kind of fugly. Like, mine is really pretty. I'm, like, super proud. But then again, I put a lot of work into it because I was like, um, I don't want to be, I'm going to have to stare at this character for a while. So I better like what I'm looking at, or at least have a good giggle. I actually ended up um, making Scott's character for him. He picked from, like, basically, I said, you can pick what character I get to be, and then, you know, I'll pick yours. So he's a female dwarf, right? <laughs> so everyone is a million times taller than her, so it's really funny when there's a makey outy scene, because um, the dwarf just can't reach anybody. Uh, oh, that's just oh. wrong. That's well, just wrong. Well, okay, but to counteract that, the Canari are, like, seven feet tall, so unless you date Iron Bull, who's the other Canari, everyone is freakishly short. So, like, I decided to date Blackwall, and he's really tiny compared to my Canari, so he has to he has to hoist himself up to make out with my character. So it's really funny. <laughs> it's like, aw, you have to stand on a stool to kiss her. This is funny. <laughs> I, I say there's a stool, but there probably isn't. That That is, that's wrong. It is wrong. But you know what? For what it's worth, I mean, I'm getting kind of a good laugh out of it. Scott hasn't picked anybody yet because, unfortunately, the dwarf in the game, you can't date him. Huh. So Scott was really upset because he wanted to date the dwarf man. And then the female scouting dwarf, you can date her, but it's really challenging, and he's had no luck. <laughs> so he's like, maybe I will go date the really hot, like, counselor lady. And I was like, she's, like, so much taller than you. He goes, I don't care. My husband's kind of special. Yeah. It's okay. He knows I'm talking about him. He'll be fine. So yeah, not much else is new with me. Um, hopefully in 2015, lots of unreviewed games will get reviewed, and I will be super happy. Okay, mm. someone else's turn. Mike. <laughs> well, it hasn't been that long since I last did this. I continue to play games that are not good. Like, <laughs> <laughs> do we, do we want to have sympathy? Because it's a little hard. So yeah, e ephemeral fantasia. Um, when last we spoke, I don't believe I had yet encountered the uh, the music rhythm game sequence to this, which I do not seek out re music rhythm games, especially not when I have to play them with a PS2 controller. Uh, and if you don't score highly enough, then you get to do the song over and over and over again until you get it right and you finally trigger the cutscene that you wanted to trigger, because otherwise something won't happen eventually. It's an interesting idea. Here, let's do Groundhog Day as an RPG. And the villain will out and out tell you during the first cycle, yeah, I'm evil. Uh, the only way you're going to get out of this is if you kill me. And then you try and take him out at the end of the cycle, and he kicks your ass with one hit, and bam, you just start repeating. 
And then I don't understand some things about it. Like its whole comment. When you gain levels, the enemies don't level with you, but their formations change. And it actually has this stupid, stupid programming thing where because the victory animation is so long, if you're poisoned, it will affect you a couple of times during your victory pose. (laughs) And I had one antidote. I used it. I have to go back to town to get more. And right now I'm in the castle, which is, of course, swarming with random enemies. And I'm going... Yeah, I've got plenty of healing supplies, but you don't want to be using your freaking healing supplies in the middle of each fight because the poison will sap you completely dead within about a minute, so you have to keep using the healing supplies and kill things. And uh, Yeah, it's not fun. It's uh, it's kind of bad, in fact. And it doesn't help. Bad. It is quite bad. Uh, I was going to play Child of Light, and then along came Uplay, which decided... Oh well, Steam had you copy off the the CD activation key. Well, that doesn't matter. Here, you you need to enter it anyway, and you can't paste it. So I decided screw you to you play for that day, and I just started playing Ease the Ark of No Ease the Oath of Felgana, and that's kind of fun. I I do like my 3D Ease. Uh, you know, I think I remember now. Maybe you know having to enter that code into Ubisoft by hand. And that's where I might have done a second monitor on that one. I mean, usually you can copy and paste uh, from Steam, but the whole that's one of the frustrating things for me, talking about getting older and not having as much patience. It's frustrating when you buy a game on Steam which already has a layer of DRM. I've gotten frustrated with Steam before because for some odd reason my internet's not online and I can't log into Steam and it won't let me automatically go into an offline mode and play my games that I paid for. So when you add another layer on top of that and I have to log into an Ubisoft, that's what happened with me with Child of Light. I didn't realize, I didn't read the small print, that there was another layer of DRM. I just bought it, installed it, tried to run it. Next thing you know, you got this Ubisoft thing popping up. At first, I thought it was a virus. Uh, and then after, you know, I eventually jumped through all the hoops to get it to work. But that's that's bloody frustrating. It, it makes you, makes you uh, you know, sometimes wonder why consoles are doing so well. You buy Child of Light on the console, boys and girls, it just works. It, it, just, it just does. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mike. Talking about games that aren't good, I continue to plug away at Dragon Ball Z Harukanara Densetsu because I am a masochist. You know, there's just something special about a game that makes you fight Frieza's first two forms with three different characters, and they're the exact same fight each time. Oh, his level is different, but so is yours. And you can't save in the middle of any of it. You you have to do it all in one go, and if he kicks your ass in the second form after you've gone through half an hour to get there, then too bad. That's just hilarious. Yeah, I think it's funny. Oh, and his his first form is actually harder than his second form, contrary to popular opinion, because he has this ability that will make the cards you draw for a while, if he gets a better card, which he probably will, they'll all go to the lowest possible value, and then he can smack you for a while. That's hilarious. Ooh, sounds like lots of fun. And there's absolutely nothing you can do about it at that point. Um, I could beat on Ephemeral Fantasia for some more, but, you know, that, that game's time will come on this show and that time is not now I I haven't yet really let it marinate in my soul to produce the, the the stew of hatred that I'm sure is eventually waiting to be unleashed but I can say that I watched Tommy over the weekend I got to see Tina Turner as the acid queen Okay. Elton John as the pinball wizard with shoes that make him 12 feet tall yeah that was I tell you this, you will never see anywhere else Anne Margaret being sprayed by baked beans and then chocolate out of a broken television set. You just don't see that anywhere else. I've never seen it, period. 
then you need to see Tommy. Apparently so. <laughs> if nothing else, you know the you know the score. Anybody who knows the Who knows the Tommy score. Um. Oh yes, Phil. I saw mm-hmm. part three of The Hobbit. You're a better person than I am. I they just when they told me they were splitting up into so many parts, I'm like, oh no, there's no way. That, that sounds so drawn out. I read the I read the book way back in in school, and I thought it was a bit on the the dry side. I can't imagine stretching out over how many movies? Three? Good lord! And are they are they three and a half hour epics like some of the Lord of the Rings movies? Uh, if you put all of them together, it would probably be somewhere around eight hours, fifteen minutes. Sweet like mother of mercy. That ain't a movie. That's a freaking series. Uh, so if you if you slash half of it, so you take it down to a little over four hours, make two movies out of it, then you would have had something. Something tight, efficient, and good pretty much all the way through. Instead, you've got three movies. Um, some of it was good. When Thorin Oakenshield nobly died. Oh, crap. I spoiled it for anybody who didn't read the book. I'm sorry, everybody. Of course, he, de- he never showed up in Lord of the Rings. That was your big clue right there. Um, and then there was that that one other dwarf who was falling in love with that one elf. Yeah, that that was such a deep, amazing relationship for the ages that I totally remembered both their names and didn't have to be reminded by a relative afterwards because she was she was completely captivated. No, I I completely remembered the names all the way. Yeah, I'm just that good. Maybe not. Uh, I think that's about all I've got. Yeah, I'm done. Let's see. Um, uh, well. So uh, we mentioned we we're talking a little bit earlier about you know backlogs and things like that and uh, and the such and and I I admit sometimes I got a little bit I got a little bit of a problem I like to buy games half of which I probably will never ever get around to actually playing uh, or playing more than an hour um, <clears throat> so uh, but I have a, I have a couple of friends who have we use. And darn peer pressure, not like I probably need that much anyways, and the fact that they got some really good games out there, and I had a whole bunch of gift certificates from Christmas burning a hole in my pocket, so I went and grabbed a Wii. So yes, now I've got even more games, you know, because, you know, I don't have enough of those yet. Uh, probably because I don't have Dragon Age Inquisition yet, I was kind of like, I was playing Mario, and I'm like, man, this is so much fun, I don't have anything this fun on my PS4. But maybe if I went out and got Dragon Age Inquisition, like, you know, Sam did, maybe maybe I wouldn't be saying that, would I? Sam's already left. Yay, Inquisition! All right, see, I was giving you an Inquisition plug. Uh, <laughs> so, <clears throat> yeah, but doing Smash Brothers and Mario Kart and, and the such, which isn't really encouraging me to go back to good old Dragon Quest Six and grind out some more. <sighs> Dragon Quest doesn't have amiibos in it. Yeah, exactly right. I was, like, trying to take my Link amiibo and putting it onto my... You know, my, my DS there to see if we would, like, warp in and kick the monster's butt for me, and it just didn't work. No. Yeah. Huh. Uh, Enix is missing out. They are. There's an opportunity there. Uh, still uh, plugging away some Diablo here and there. Uh, I played uh, – it was really funny. Uh, yesterday, RPG cast, um, I jumped in on that uh, – on there as a guest, and uh, we chit-chatted. For on MMOs for a long time, uh, and during the parts where I wasn't talking, which uh, which was quite a bit, uh, I was playing Diablo, and I managed to get like uh, four legendaries <laughs> while they were talking. So it was great, awesome stuff. So, 
And I'm also uh, doing the whole Garrison thing in World of Warcraft. Uh, if you want to hear our thoughts in detail, which was actually mostly me talking uh, about World of Warcraft, you can listen to the three-hour extravaganza that is RPGcast at RPGamer.com. Uh, long story short, is as you probably have heard from some of your friends or websites, it is a lot of fun. They have done a really good job of bringing that excitement back. And more importantly for me, from a role-player perspective, I feel like a badass, which I really felt was missing from Pandemic after the first couple of levels uh, it was great at the beginning and I've said this before and then it was like oh get to know the people which was a bunch of farm quests and defeating mutant rabbits on farms and crap I, I don't feel like a hey, if you anymore. had mutant rabbits on your farm you'd probably be very very thankful someone got rid of them yeah absolutely but that's what the level 5 lobies are for okay when I was level 5 I had to clean up after bird crap and rabbit crap and go kill mutant bears and help the little people out with their little problems but at level 90 I better be a badass general you know, people should be, you know, jump tripping over themselves to polish my boots. And they practically are in this expansion. You walk into, like, the, uh, you know, the town, and all of the other, like, soldiers, like the, especially the new young soldiers and stuff, they're like, oh my gosh, it's Kriegor, straighten up. You know, <laughs> it's great. From a role-playing perspective, it's just, this is just awesome. It gives you that, it gives you that sense of progression, like, yeah, you've been doing this a while, and your character should be recognized. Of course, if you buy the expansion, you get a, uh, a free level up to, to 90 for one of your characters so you can just jump right into uh, this story and the whole garrison management thing and whatnot. So if you, I guess if you've never played the game before or you're doing it with the first level character or whatever, it doesn't quite have the same payoff. But Kriegor has been my character since, like, almost vanilla. So he has a story, and in my mind, that, you know, I, I know some people just play Warcraft just to watch their numbers go up to do raids with their friends, but for me, it's a role-playing game. So, uh, a very big role-playing game where I get to chit-chat with other people and partner with other people, but, uh, yeah, I kind of think that I should be a badass undead warlock right now, so it's really cool that Thrall, you know, one of the leaders of the Horde, is coming to me for advice, or looking to me for protection or whatever. It's awesome. It's great. It's the way nature intended, so I'm having fun with that. Uh... But Dragon Quest VI, I posted the second part of my journal, my RPG trek with Dragon Quest VI. Uh, so you can check that over at our forums or at my journal, uh, where I have been doing blogs ever since Dragon Quest One. So. Oh yes, Phil. You've seen the results of our poll, haven't you? Did it, we didn't talk about that last show? We, we well, they haven't they haven't substantively changed since then. No, but it, would, it would appear <laughs> that Dragon Quest Two is by far the least loved, and that Dragon Quest Seven is the second most loved of the series, according to our poll voters. Yeah, you know, what's really funny too is is um, you know polls are are interesting, but uh, how many of those people have actually played? all the games or played seven to completion or played it recently and still remember it. So just, just kind of take that for what it's worth. Uh, I'm playing through all of them because I wanted to have that. I may not actually get through seven, but I want to have that perspective of, I've at least put oh, come some now, Phil, You've got plenty of time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, I've just got nothing better to do. Uh, but I definitely want to have that perspective of the series as a whole, given its reputation and Japan, especially and, and, be able to say, yeah, I, I've actually have played all of them, and I can tell you which one I think is the best because I've actually played them all, as opposed to somebody who's like, yeah, Final Fantasy, you know, seven is my favorite. Have you played any others? No, but seven's the awesomest. So, 
But yeah. Phil, how will you how will you know if ten is the awesomest? I just just. Yeah, ten's not a no. I don't count it. Just like I don't count Final Fantasy eleven. They're MMOs. It's not the same genre. It's like a subgenre or so. I don't know. It's MMO. It doesn't belong in the. Why, do, why can't they call it something different? I just don't understand why they keep doing this. Where he keeps doing this. You know, they they called the tactics game Final Fantasy Tactics. It wasn't called Final Fantasy Seven Two or anything. It was called Tactics. Why can't they do that? anyways? Total 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 sidetrack. Um. Hmm. Okay. So, uh, yeah, you can check out that uh, that RPG Trek blog again at, at our forums or at uh, my blog at jcservant.wordpress.com and then just hit the uh, RPG Trek link at the top of the page just if you just want to focus in on that part of my blog. Uh, you can also follow us at Twitter. I'm at jcservant. Mr. Mike Meeky is at Sid. And you can chit-chat with us, share your thoughts with us. We'd love to hear from you and share it on the show. And I, under- I understand Sam and Zach are also on Twitter. Yeah, Sam, what's yours? Merry Go Down, which is based on a Lou Barlow song, and not a mis- porno. Oh, jeez. And Mr. Zach? And I'm Zach RPG, which is based on my name and RPGs. <laughs> and, uh, and of course, I think we also have a list or something at RP Gamer or news feed to our Twitter, so you can keep up with everything that's going on at RP Gamer by following our Twitter feed there. We also have a Facebook. You can join us, become our biggest fans at uh, facebook.com forward slash RP Gamer. Just a reminder that RPG Backtrack is a production of RPGamer.com, your favorite source of news, reviews, and home to the best gaming community on the net. So check us out at those social media sites that I mentioned earlier. want to thank Miss Sam, Mr. Zach for being on the show, you all for listening to us. If you like what you hear, do us a favor, head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review because we love those. Uh, all right. I think that's that's all the call outs and everything else. Also, do oh yeah, one other one other thing. I like to mention this, even if the other people don't. We have two sister shows. If you like what you hear here, check it out. The RPG Cast, which goes over more uh, recent news as well as long dialogues regarding MMOs, and <laughs> and Not our just other sh- MMOs. I understand the long dialogues can encompass many other topics. Oh, they can, and uh, and our much more focused uh, show about uh, various uh, gaming topics, uh, usually related to role playing games in particular. The RPG Cast. You can find all of those at RPGamer.com. Banter? Yeah, what did I say? You said the RPG cast again. Oh, well, oh, you know, God. after three and a half hours, I kind of got brainwashed, Mike. So, active topical banter. It, it must have been all the talk about Hitler. It was. Uh, you can, anyways, you can check those all out at rpgamer.com on the left-hand side, or find us on iTunes. Mr. Minky, it's time to go to bed. Um, yeah, there, there is absolutely nothing about, nothing final about this particular episode no there, there will be more there was no solution of any kind and it was certainly not being perpetrated by any monstrous figure of history nope nope uh, we didn't mention any of that tonight Bye.